Welcome to the Digging Deep ATV MX Podcast with your host, hailing from Kakana, Wisconsin, riding a CST Tires SSI decals traveling back Yamaha YFC 450R, four-time ATV Motocross National Champion, number 25. Cody Jensen. What's up, everybody? We're back. I'm your host, Cody Jansen. This is episode 79 of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, presented by our title sponsor, CST Tires, available for purchase at shop.csttires.com. And tonight, we have a stacked lineup in store for our 2022 Daytona ATV Supercross review pod. The 2022 ATV Motocross National Championship season has arrived, and the 8th annual Daytona ATV Supercross was just as crazy as you would have expected. On the episode ahead, you'll get the inside scoop on everything that happened at another crazy Daytona season opener. Our guests tonight include event winner Joel Hetrick, near winner Brandon Hogue, pro sport winner Brett Musig, WMX rookie and runner-up finisher Kinsey Osborne, and Casey Greek joins us to help break down all the action. So kick back, relax, and let's relive and rehash the 2022 Daytona ATV Supercross with the people that were at the center of all the action. Let's quickly shout out all of our incredible partners, CST Tires, go to shop.csttires.com, Yamaha thanks to Blue Crew, thanks to SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymar Financial Group, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Factory 43, Integrative Financial Concepts and their Safe to Race and Safe to Ride Insurance programs, Binky's Forever ATC Museum, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, and Manscaped to get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Their clippers rock, their nose hair trimmer is amazing, and the new Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer is next level. Outside the industry sponsors are rare in our sport, so help us keep Manscaped involved with digging deep and involved with ATV motocross as a whole long into the future. Manscaped's signature line is the Performance Package 4.0, which includes the new Lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer that I rely on to help keep my beard on point, the best nose hair trimmer ever created, and an array of goodies like deodorant, boxer briefs, a travel bag, and more. So check out Manscaped, I wish I would have sooner, and get 20% off with free shipping by using code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support all the great companies that support us, and for any products that fall through the cracks, click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website website to help us out. The 2022 season is here and we both know you still need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear or parts you need, Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered. But before you buy, simply click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website. By using our specific link, we get a percentage of what you buy on the back end, enabling you to help us out while purchasing the parts you need anyway. And did you know that you can buy OEM parts from Rocky Mountain ATVMC as well? Yep, shipped right to your door. So click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner at diggingdeepatvmx.com to help us out while satisfying all your gear and parts needs. You can also find our new Amazon widget on our homepage, so same concept. Click the Amazon logo on the right side of your screen, purchase whatever your heart desires, and that will help us out down the road. We can't thank you enough for that. One new donor to shout out this week? 
Anita Yankee, thank you so much for supporting us all the way from Argentina. And if you are interested in donating and hearing your name on the show, you can find the Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee donation links on our website. And major thanks to all of you who have donated. You guys freaking rock. Now, it's showtime. The 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go. All right, guys. The 2022 ATV motocross season has officially begun. The eighth annual Daytona ATV Supercross is in the rear view now, and we're here to break it all down. We have a stacked lineup for you tonight, starting with a man who is tied for 22nd in digging deep ATVMX fantasy, brought to you by Manscaped and his new weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer. Get your own today and get 20% off plus free shipping by using code diggingdeep20 at manscaped.com. From Impact Solutions, say hello to Mr. Casey Greek. And Casey, the real question is how did all of your ATV fantasy teams perform? Because you told us you were going to have a handful of them. Yeah, I chickened out. Um... <laughs> Well, under the radar, I'm going to check it out. But no, I, I didn't. I just did the one. I actually didn't sign up until Tuesday morning, but I actually had to go sit down and like take a minute to sign up and pick my team. Mm-hmm. Um, man, it feels good to be in the top 22, um, believe it or not, because really, I think that's tied for like third. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> just with like 40 other people. But, you know, it's a, it's a start because I think last year I was in the hundred. Oh, yeah. You could you could be me. You could be in 189th. i was hey i was looking i was i was looking good until uh until brandon's bike broke i was looking great yeah i (laughs) man i I was good and then i wasn't and then i was good again and i was just okay (laughs) it came back around no no 22nd is a a good deal because the thing is why it's so competitive is there's not very many points that separates anybody you know like um everybody's pretty tight so so to be in to be where you are right now is, is a good place to be uh, so, so talking about the actual racing, not fantasy stuff, Daytona is always wild. And this one surely lived up to its reputation. But when I texted you yesterday, Casey, you called it the Daytona show. So was it wilder than normal? Give me your overall thoughts on the event before we, before we dig into all the stuff that went down. And I think anyone that was there can completely agree with me. And, it, mm-hmm. and it's not to be negative, obviously. Um, that's not the way I am or the way I think about the sport in any sense, but it was just between the weather and the low spots in the track, the narrowness of the track, um, then the weather coming back and then the starting gate breaking, it was just a lot of things that were way out of any of the promoter's hands, Daytona itself's hands, the Rogers hands, anything. But then it was like, once the gate dropped is the first round and these guys are fired up and it was just melee. Mm-hmm. And the pros did a pretty decent job where it wasn't just straight carnage, but there was plenty of it. But man, it, exactly what I said and how I felt pro sport was going to go went. Mm-hmm. And then they elevated, I feel like, even more than what I anticipated because of the amount of rain and the narrowness of the track. I mean, these guys are just straight railroads, like they had railroad tracks, they had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And if someone made a mistake, it was just one bike after another, after another. And I, it was just insanity, like mm-hmm. the wildest thing I've seen in a while. Yeah. 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 Definitely a lot of things to discuss there. We'll get into all the racing and break it all down for you, but I don't want to get in too deep before asking you for your first impact solutions, impact moment of the 2022 season, uh, where we highlight something good and positive happening in ATV racing. What do you have for us, Casey? 
Um, really, I think it's pretty easy. It's Joel Hedrick. Um, just as I was walking out of the stands and cutting back across to get to the podium, I got to look over and Joel was standing on his seat, which is a picture of it. I think everyone, and of course, by the time this comes out, everyone's got to see that picture. Mm-hmm. And just the sheer joy and like it just like right now just gives me chills. And I know like as soon as I looked over and I seen him standing on a seat with his hands out, looking at the sky, just like, oh, my God, like the monkey's off my back again. Like I pulled it off of Daytona mm-hmm. after the disastrous, you know, last year. It was just it was a huge impact to me mm-hmm. and about how much winning means to those guys and everything, you know, and then the complete other side of it is watching Brandon Hogue you know, very well could have possibly been on his way to his first win. Um, there wasn't any real spots for Joel to make some kind of crazy move or an aggressive pass. I don't think we'd ever really see that kind of racing out of Brandon and Joel together. So it wasn't like Joel was going to risk it. I think Joel had mentally put himself in a situation that he was perfectly fine with finishing second, mm-hmm. knowing that Chad was having, you know, not the greatest day. So um, just both of those moments, I mean, one at the highest of the highest and one at the lowest of the lowest of the sense of, mm-hmm. you know, man, like it just so much impact that can come to come from that. And the grit that you see from these guys, it, it's huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you touched on all of that. You touched on the the pictures of Joel just you know, bliss, blissful after that race, just, you know, so happy. And then Brandon, you know, seeing that bike smoking and kind of sulking for a second and then fist pumping with the crowd. We'll hear from both of those guys coming up on this episode. I posted pictures about that on our, on our social stuff yesterday. Um, just literally seeing, you know, it was the, the, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, uh, kind of like you touched on, that's what we captioned it. So last year, our Daytona review show, was the biggest show we've ever done still to this day. It's the biggest show we've, we've ever done. And I think that a lot of that had to do with all the drama, all the stuff we saw happen. This one's really not that much different. You know, there's a lot of stuff that went down at this one, a lot of stuff to get into. So uh, talking about the race day, you know, as we start to begin our coverage here, I structured everything I did, you know, so I'm ready to go to begin our coverage at 7. AM on Tuesday, I'm up at three o'clock, you know, I'm, I'm fully prepared for this. And at seven o'clock, there's still standing water on the racetrack. And, uh, you know, I already knew at that point that we're going to be in for an uphill battle with this track as the day continues. Oh my goodness. And, you know, and it was crazy because when we were supposed to be out, I was standing on the track at six 30 to do track walk. And, you know, we were there ready to go. And, there wasn't a piece of equipment that moved yet. There was no like real crew out there on the track. I'm like, how are they going to turn this track around in the next 30 minutes? We're supposed to be racing in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you know, that didn't happen necessarily say, but what it had, what had and did happen is the guys got to work. They got pumps out. They started pumping water off and they really got the track to come around. And in all honesty, by the time, you know, the, when the first pro sport qualifier time qualifier went out, it wasn't, as bad as you anticipate by the second one, it really started coming around. And then, you know, the WMX went out and, it, and there were some spots like it was getting pretty deep. They touched it up again and put the pros out. And first thing when Joel, Joel pulled in the mechanics area, he's like, I should have went with small tires and never in my mind would I have thought that. So that was kind of cool. And I thought the track for the first pro qualifier was really good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the one when Jeffrey was just on rails. I mean, yeah. he 
he really killed it. He nailed his setup for that one, and it was it was really good. But yeah, it's um, it came along, it went away again, and it just seemed like it got worse as the day went on. Yeah. So so to kind of discuss the track briefly. So what happens at these races? Talking to the listeners here what happens at these races is we've seen this trend over the last couple of years where we've been with this vintage ATV, you know, um, marriage on Tuesdays is the amateur bike program runs a pretty mellow track on Sunday and Monday. And then they actually make the track. It seems like more technical, bigger jumps, a little bit better racing for the ATVs on Tuesday. Well, obviously, cause the, the track, the last couple of years has been really, really good. I thought, well, they couldn't do that this year. I got a text from some people on, on Monday night saying that it was raining. And so at this point I'm like, okay, so we're going to have basically the same track that the amateur bikes had on Sunday, Monday. And that's what we ended up seeing. So we didn't get to, to get an ATV specific track. Like we've had the last couple of years. And then they were hamstrung by the standing water by, I mean, they just had to get the water. They basically, instead of having to, to focus on making a racy ATV track, what they needed to do and what they were doing was basically just making it passable. You know, that's, so there was a lot of people out there saying, you know, things about the track and you kind of just had to take what we could get and get through it because we weren't able to get an ATV specific racetrack like years past. Yeah. And I mean, I think in the last couple of years, we've raced with the vintage bikes, just like we did this year, Yep. but they just had, they had more time. They knew mm-hmm. the rain was going to come Monday night and put a pretty big hamper on what was going on. So they had to make the little bit of changes they could mm-hmm. get it mellowed down. They didn't, they usually get it a little bit wider. Mm-hmm. They give us a couple more race lines it just never got to happen this year. So yeah, I mean, exactly. It just, with the rain and everything going on, it put us in a spot that it just couldn't do it. And, you know, they did a good job and, you know, a lot of us were pretty rough about it, say, or, you know, upset and like, Hey, this, you know, this is not as good as we would like or whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. for the conditions and everything that went on, you can't get mad. You just gotta, everyone had to race the same track. Mm-hmm. Well, and what makes Daytona so tough specifically is that track is cut into the grass, you know, it's cut into the infield. So obviously the water accumulates in the, in the race line, like a, a typical racetrack has low spots around the track so that it drains to somewhere. Obviously that's not yeah. the case at Daytona. And that's just what makes it so tough. That's why we were seeing pictures of the deepest puddles being right in the middle of the racetrack. There was just no avoiding that. Yeah, it's definitely, and then, and there's wood underneath that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They bring in so much other dirt too. So mm-hmm. it, it didn't it had nowhere to go release the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It had nowhere to go. So after an hour and a half delay there, pro sport time qualifying finally hits the track. They were out there first followed by WMX and then the, the pro class qualifiers. And honestly, I don't think that we really had any major surprises to that point. I don't know about you, Casey pro sport times were topped by Mo Lander chambers and Musig. WMX saw Shaw fastest followed by Berger and Osborne and Joel Hetcher took the fast qualifier spot followed by Weenan, Ford, Hogue, and Janusa. I really don't think that we saw any surprises there. I didn't take much from, from qualifying before the races. No, it was pretty normal. I mean, it was cool to see the pro sport guys get to do a time qualifier. I think that's going to help them as they grow into pros. Mm-hmm. And then for the WMX, it was cool to see. Um, I know it was hard for a lot of people to get clean laps 
because of the narrowness and stuff like that. And then just kind of a lot of people on a short circuit. So, mm-hmm. but no, yeah, qualifying was kind of status quo. Everyone that we would expect to have been up front was for the most part up front, couple surprises here and there, but nothing that was like, Oh my goodness. Like I can't believe Chad Wienan's 10th or Joel, you know, I guess people could have freaked out in the first qualifier. Joel was like qualified seventh. I think. In the oh, first people qualifier. were, people were, people were freaking <laughs> yeah. out on the internet. What's what's wrong with Joel Hetrick? Joel, I know, I know something's wrong. Joel doesn't ride like that. Joel Hetrick would never be in seventh, but I think you kind of told us and I knew something was going on because he only, you know, rode like three quarters of the laps. I'm assuming it was probably the tire thing where he thought he should be on little tires. Yeah, yeah, and what it really boiled down to is he wasn't comfortable to go the speed he wanted to go and do the things, and he knew the next mm-hmm. qualifier was going to be faster. So yep. just a chance to look at the track and you know jump the jumps and do do the things he needed to do and save it for the for the mm-hmm. time qualifier, the second one. So little time went by there, and the track was coming around. It was time for the pro sport heat races, and uh, this is when the craziness began a little bit. Casey, uh, heat one for pro sport went. Kazmarek, Musig, Sealy, so no real surprises there, I don't think. While he too saw Tino Abatiello burst onto the scene in his pro sport debut to grab the win, followed by Shaddle and Mason Jackson. But when you look at some of the other notable names, that's where you see some of the craziness. Uh, Shimon, eighth. Chambers 13th, Baird 15th, Molander was eighth in Heat 2, Donovan Cox 9th, Hirschfeld 15th, West Lewis Broken finished 16th. So Casey, just as you predicted, just as you said at the beginning of, of the episode here, um, it was going to be tough sledding for some of those guys. Some some good guys it's going to be tough sledding for. Yeah, I mean, like Dane, one of the ones that, you know, he was right up in the front and battling, you know, from first to third right there. And Mm-hmm. spun out or something went off the track and ended up in dead last and had nowhere to go but forward and with a very short race like that I mean mentally for me like I his dad was right in front of me we we're standing up in the stands and I almost told him just go down there and pull him off the track and send him back because there's not enough time for him to get into a qualifying position I mean Don looked at me he's like he's gonna have to go to LCQ and I started looking at the gap and knowing what his lap times were and I'm like hold on I'm like, with nothing crazy go on, I, th- I think he can qualify. And he did just that. I mean, he made it into eighth and and pulled it off. So <laughs> pretty crazy in, in reality that it, oh, he got into that position. But I mean, he was on rails. But, yeah, plenty of guys. Hurstfield, I mean, Hurstfield was flying and qualifying. He did well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, did. Zach, you know, West Lewis. West Lewis was fast. I mean, everyone was really good. And these guys didn't make it. I mean, Baird had moments that I watched him ride that I was like, holy, like, he has the speed to win. Um, There's just a lot of things that didn't go the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was, was so many great guys out there, and the class is so stacked and on a small track. And, and the other thing that you have going on is so many different range of abilities there in that class. Yeah, there's just a lot going on there. So a lot of takeaways, a lot of craziness in those pro sport heat races. There'd be more craziness to come. And another surprise that we saw was in the WMX heat when Madison Trower, we know she's a good racer, but she held on for an impressive win over Kinsey Osborne, Andrea Berger, and Neve Shaw. She ended up fourth uh, we had some young ladies up front in this one Casey right away that was that was pretty cool to see yeah it was awesome and you know Maddie she's so so awesome and the family's so awesome 
And to see her get out front and get to put in, you know, a moto like that and, and pull it off, it was incredible. And I talked to her a little bit after and she's like, man, I really realize how, you know, I'm, I'm not in a good enough shape yet to be up here, but at the same time, like you pulled it off and that was cool. I mean, and it wasn't without some heavy hitters behind her. I mean, who, you know, all have, you know, the potential of winning. We've seen Kinsey Osborne. I mean, she really burst onto the scene and got in there and mixed up with those girls that are kind of veterans of that class. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This is approximately Casey when the starting gate issue arose. So what can you tell us about that? Um, there's something with the Ram that lifts and drops it and the cylinder was blocked or the air valve was blocked. And so then we did a flag start to try to buy some more time. I mean, and they were down there working on it. I mean, they tried, they even brought another one in, but I think it was a valve that was actually in line. They had to pull all the line out to get the line back in the mm -hmm. amount of time it was going to take with us already being rain delayed, going through all that stuff. I mean, it, it just wasn't, there wasn't enough time to make it actually happen. But I saw all these people bitching about, you know, why can't you fix it? Why can't you fix it? It'd be fixed if it was this, it'd be fixed if it was that. And the thing is, is it's not just a, it's not like a typical gate at a typical track. It's not that easy when you have a situation with, you know, an intricate, I believe they're, you know, they're air powered, right? If it's an air powered gate like yeah. that, um, it's not just as easy as, you know, welding a tab or whatever. Like you'd have a problem yeah. at, a, at a different track. It's not a totally different concept, totally different issue. Yeah, it's not a manual gate, and which I mean, some of the bigger tracks that we go to and stuff are going to these hydraulic or air style um, gates because it's a lot less work. It's more efficient. They, you know, they react right. They react the same time, same way every time. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just an issue that happened. Um, I was standing pretty close to Tim Cotter and Kerry Joe, and I heard him, you know, flag drop, and I had already said that. I was like, let's just go flag drop, you know, flag. And that's how they take off and, you know, go old school or let's get a rubber band. But, you know, rubber band start would be great if they had rubber, you know, what they needed on hand. They didn't right. have what they needed on hand. So it is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, they did the best they could for the circumstances. And I can tell you what, like everyone can say what they want to say. Everyone's going to say what they want to say. Um, <laughs> everyone the rest of the day had to start with a flag. Yep. You know, from the pro classes, and it wasn't just against the ATVs. The vintage guys had to do it, you know, and if they would have had their RCSX, they would have done the same thing because that entire schedule or that entire event from Friday to Tuesday and then even on after all the off-road people leave and it goes into road racing is on such a tight schedule. I mean, they were moving in the um, road race guys were moving in before we were even done racing sure they already had awnings set up and for their sign-up trucks and all that kind of stuff going on so i mean it's it's really a tight schedule yeah for sure there was just there was a lot of hurdles to 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 you know have to deal with there um so like you said flag start for pro heat one and like you said i figured that we were probably just buying some time to fix it but it just wasn't going to be in the cards so in that first race we'd see that that first flag start it was going to be flag starts for the rest of the way here and we saw chad ween and checkout followed by max linquist and Jeffrey Rastrelli in heat one, but late in this one is when the rain began to fall again. And I mean, it started to, to get, you know, pretty sketchy, not real pretty, pretty quickly, Casey. 
Yeah, and definitely. I mean, there was like one clay section, which was, happens to be the rollers. It got real sketchy over there. So slick that, you know, you had to be perfectly square to go through them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just started letting the, the ruts just deepen, you know, but Joel and I think um, Brandon was up there. Those guys, I mean, they did they did what they could. And we knew going in, like as soon as we seen the weather and when it started raining towards the end of the first pro qual- or pro heat, that that would be the faster heat of the two because the guys had to slow down quite a bit by mid to late moto in that second heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, due to the rain there, uh, just trying to get through the race. There wasn't much action in that second heat because it was raining so hard at that point, which saw Joel Hetrick grab the win over Brandon Hogan, Nick Janusa. It was kind of survival for everybody. I think everybody was just trying to get through, hoping that things would be better for the main event. But the guys who got it worst were the riders in the Pro Sport LCQ. The track was treacherous, but credit to Joseph Chambers. He goes out, grabs the win by a mile, 22 seconds. Looked like he was just trying to make sure he wasn't going to ingest any water. So kudos to him on a, on a smart ride and advancing to the main. And Lane Baird made a last lap pass to get into the show as well there. So credit to him. Yeah, and I didn't get to watch the LCQ. I had to take care of some stuff that I was doing and Mm -hmm. making some changes for some guys. But, yeah, I did get to do that. And, you know, then heartbreak when the pro sport main came. um, Lane couldn't get his bike to run. Um, Don't know if he took on too much water during that LCQ or what. But he ended up having to sit out the main event. And he's going to probably have to use that one for a drop and move on into getting ready for Texas. Uh, there's going to be a decent amount of guys using that for a drop, I think, just because <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean, there was guys that didn't didn't make a lap or whatever in that LCQ. There was just standing water everywhere. It was horrible. I think that that's where you're seeing some of the Rip It Up Films videos coming from, just showing how terrible, terrible the conditions were there. Like, literally... And Joseph Chambers is way out front, right? But he's like swerving around the water, riding the edge of the track, like trying to wheelie over stuff. I mean, he was doing exactly what he should do to keep that thing running because that was going to be the only way he didn't make it to the main at that point. So kudos to him. Uh, Moving right into the main then, the very next race that was up was the Pro Sport main event. And the track had, had really come around at this point. It had come around some, but the start was going to be so crucial. And you know who that favors. In my mind, Brett Music was the favorite to win this one. And in fact, he did grab that whole shot and checked out. We have him coming up later on the show. But where we saw some of the jostling for position was those other podium spots. Not so much with Blair Miller. He ran second basically the whole race. But Chase Seeley and Joseph Chambers swapped third back and forth between each other before Chambers seemingly made a mistake and Seeley held on to third for good. But credit to Chambers, Casey, because he did that coming from the LCQ, which was crazy. You would have never thought he had a chance in the world to do that. And that was super impressive. But talk about that pro sport main event there. Um, survival for some guys, little battling up front, but uh, there was there was a lot going on. And we knew that that start was going to be so crucial. Yeah, I mean, the start was huge. And, you know, we've seen a lot go down. And, you know, some of the guys that started on the outside, I mean, Chambers was one of them. Molander was one of them. Those guys held it on enough, and they came out pretty good. And then there was a mishap, like, midway down, like, the second straightaway that held some of the guys up and got a couple guys snuck through, where, like, Blair and Brett were on the far inside and kind of snuck right through clean. You know, I mean, they had to have the reaction. They did everything right, and, you know, Brett jumped out of there like a rocket. And I seen him come around. When I seen him in the lead, I was like, okay, you know, that's a good chance. Like, he's got it. Obviously, Brett's fast. And, you know, he's going to be a threat in this class anytime he's in it. 
Um, you know, and it was just from those first two back, it was just melee for pretty much the whole time. Chase Seeley and Joseph Chambers, I mean, they battled, but it was like the battling was who was going to make the next mistake. Right. And then when one of them would make a bad mistake, get pulled off to the side of the track into the real deep step, the other one would get around them. And then, you know, the same thing, but the one to talk about there, I mean, you know, Tino Avatello, you know, sneaks his way in there for a fourth. And I mean, and that kid, I hadn't seen him since last year. He looks like a whole different kid. Okay. Um, I mean, he's like shredded up. He, he's just been really put in the work, but like Mason Jackson, I, th- I think at one point Mason was all the way up into third or fourth mm-hmm. and, you know, for a couple corners or something. And then something happened and he got sucked back to the bat. Yeah. You know, and then like Ian Juka, another solid, it was a quiet ride for Ian. He wasn't happy with his qualifying. He wasn't super happy with his heat race. He felt like he should have been battling up there in the front of the heat. And he was just kind of like in the mid pack. But for him to come out with the top 10, I mean, that's, I think, three, the three. Yeah, there's three pro sport rookies that were in the top 10. Mm-hmm. And then you got some of your heavy hitters like a Jaden Launderville, Dane Molander. Zach Kaczmarek that are behind those guys even. So mm-hmm. um, I remember seeing at one point in time, I mean, Braden Shimon is another one that should be a top guy in this class. But at one point, Brett had come by and Molander and Launderville were hung up or something. They were riding with Brett. Mm-hmm. Like it looked like they were one, two, three. They were pushing Brett around the track. I mean, they were, all three of them just the, mm-hmm. were the fastest guys on the track. I mean, Molander come out with the fastest lap time of the race, mm-hmm. just never stayed out of the carnage the whole time. And, you know, really gutted for my buddy, um, Andrew Shaddle. He was riding good all day, a couple hiccups. He had a bad, nasty wreck right at the finish line. Like a couple laps ago, ended up getting mowed over by another rider. And then that rider got hit by someone and pushed him even further up on there. So, um, Glad he's okay. I, I talked to him after the race, and I, I think they actually went and rode yesterday. So okay. really happy that he's all good to go. Yeah, there was a lot of craziness going on there. A lot of craziness. I think that that might have been Chambers, actually, that was caught up in that finish line thing there. I think that that might have been the the mistake or whatever that took him from third to fifth. I, I'm almost positive he was part of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, crazy, you know, as we said, and we haven't said it yet on this on this episode, but we did in some of our previews that Daytona is an outlier, you know, it's just a totally different race. So there's different things going on. There might be different guys in the mix, but in this one kind of status quo at the top guys that you surely could have seen being on the podium, Brett Musa gets the win, Blair Miller, second chase Sealy, third, we'll give you the full lineup here. Uh, Agostino Abatiello was fourth. Joseph Chambers, fifth, Mason Jackson, sixth, Ian Juka, seventh, Zach Kazmarek, eighth, Keaton Sterk, ninth, Dane Molan around to the top 10, followed by Donovan Cox, Jaden Launderville, Wyndham Spooner, Richard Pinella, Braden Shimon, Mike Groff, David Gay, Maxwell Mansky, and Andrew Shaddle. And yeah, I mean, so obviously the start was everything there, but that being said, some of the obvious key players ended up on the podium. What are your main takeaways from this one, Casey? Like we said, it's an outlier, but what are your main takeaways after the dust settled or the mud settled on Tuesday? Um, I think it kind of what you really narrowed it down to is it doesn't tell us a whole lot on at Daytona. And then you add all these other elements into it. it I really didn't take anything from it in that sense. Besides, you know, I watched like Blair 
what an impressment with how like smart he rode and didn't pay attention to really what was going on behind him, avoided some really bad situations and snuck himself in there. And Chase was kind of the same way. Chase had one pretty bad mistake where um, Joseph Chambers got around him. And then it was just until Joseph had another, you know, mistake to where he could get back around him. I I thought Chase was done. He stalled and I thought something happened to his bike. He had been following and and riding with Blair and battling back and forth with um, Chambers so much. I thought he packed that thing up enough to where it quit. And it must have just been him. He stalled it. I didn't really get to talk to him after the race. I, you know, he's an impact guy. So I was obviously stoked to have him and Blair Miller on the podium both being impact guys to put two, you know, two guys on the top there. But, um, yeah, it's, we're, we're going to learn more in Texas. Mm-hmm. This first round being Daytona, it's really going to be hard to see, but it was at the same time, I wasn't surprised to see the guys on the podium that were, but there's mm-hmm. other guys that I would have been, you know, just as like, confident that they could podium. And I think that's the joy of this class this year. And we've been talking about that. Yeah, you know, Daytona is atypical, and I think there is good takeaways to take away from those first guys. I guess the best way to put it is I don't think anybody should be slapping the panic button on anybody that wasn't on the podium because, again, crazy things happen at Daytona, especially with those conditions in a you know pretty tight one-lined racetrack. So it uh, be interesting to see as these next couple rounds play out when we go outdoors what it's like, but I think that things will kind of return to some normalcy there. We'll get right back to the show, but now a word from our sponsors. And thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the offseason when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST takeover has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins in three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself Cody Jansen as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft compound rears to back-to-back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today, or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hetrick, Jeffrey Rastrelli, Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you... CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATV MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Weenan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, it's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ 450R. 
For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. SSI decals is a name synonymous with ATV racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris's passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off. And today, you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time NHRA world champion Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI decals, making your identity stick with championship-level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is brought to you in part by DID and their wide range of championship-winning chains. From the street to the track and everywhere in between, DID chains are designed to give you the optimal riding experience with great performance and increased chain life. Consistent to the core, pick up your box of reliability today. DID, what drives you? We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com. Numira Technologies, pistons with an attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits. Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride. Available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber, and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards, and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV, or snowmobile, Forworks has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust Forworks for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. Forworks Carbon, always working hard to bring high-quality and innovative parts to the market. Check them out today at fwcarbon.com. Uh, next up was WMX and man, we saw some awesome racing, awesome race to watch in this one. Three-time reigning, defending undisputed class champion, Andrea Berger led this one wire to wire, but at times, Casey WMX rookie Kinsey Osborne gave her all she could handle. It was uh, pretty impressive to see. Yeah. Kinsey was on it. And I think all of us kind of had the feeling that she would be, but you know, at the same time, you don't know where she's going to stack up until, you know, you get to the races and see it. I, I think she rode awesome. She rode well in her heat. She qualified well. I mean, kind of the tale of what could have been. And, and for her WMX debut, I think it was very impressive. I mean, I was down there with Jeremy um, quite a bit when he was, you know, when she was on the track and you could see the nervousness in him. You could see the excitement. 
And, you know, there are a lot of emotions that come out of fathers and, and with their kids and with the amount that he puts into that program. So, um, man, and Andrea, I mean, she killed it. You know, she she did what Andrea does. And um, I think Neve with a little bit better start, we could have seen a little bit tighter. I mean, they tightened up to where, I mean, they were all three of them were bumper to bumper, but Neve's lap times and qualifying were so good. I think she was almost two seconds faster than anyone in time qualifying. And so, but it's, again, I don't know that we've learned anything. I think we already knew Kinsey was going to be a threat. And we obviously know that Neve and Andrea have kind of been at the top of that class for a while now. So it's going to be exciting to see some other girls get in there. Maddie Trower's been killing it. Um, Ellie Roush, she qualified really well. A um, couple little hangups and heat race. And then the main event kind of kept her from being in the battle like right there, real, real tight. But I think she's going to be one to watch too. And I mean, the list can go on and on. It's going to be an exciting class this year. I think some of these girls have really stepped up. Yeah, it's awesome to see. It's awesome to see all those girls out there. You predicted that, you know, months ago, how big the class was going to be. Um, it was just awesome to see that. Awesome to see some great racing. I mean, we saw some really good racing in that class. You kind of alluded to that. Andrea Berger, I mean, man, wire to wire, but she's just rides so darn smart. She hits every mark, every single lap, lap after lap, she's hitting her marks. She's just like her dad. That's always how her dad rode. But man, like, also, you can't sleep, like you said, on Neve Shaw. I mean, she ended up third, but like you said, she came from outside the top five. Then she made up these huge chunks of time. I mean, making up two, three seconds a lap at one point, and she comes from way back. All of a sudden, like you said, they're bumper to grab bar. And at one point, you know, it looks like she's really pressuring the two girls in front of her. Then with a couple laps to go, something happened and we kind of lost Shaw. She got, I actually, I remember now you, thank you for looking at lap times. Um, she got hung up with some lappers and because, you know, she knew she had a big cap back to fourth and she mm-hmm. kind of just held it there because there was nowhere to go. And once, when she was on the, you know, up there with those two, there wasn't much she could do in a sense of making a pass for, you know, second or for first. So um, I think I was doing the math. And I was looking at the lap times as the race was going on. She lost 18 seconds in two laps. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. It's huge. Yeah, and she never come off the bike or anything. It was just due to lappers. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you're. I mean, you're. You have a lot of different levels of racer out there, right? I mean, those those yeah. top girls are really gnarly, and there's obviously some ladies out there that aren't quite on that level, which is fine. But yeah, that's what's going to happen if you get stuck behind, you know, somebody who's just not going that top pace. You're gonna you're gonna lose touch with the other girls there. Um, so. Shaw, she ended up, you know, after she, she deals with that, she ends up having to settle for third on the day. She does look like, you know, she could very much be ready to contend for this title though. I'll I'll say that no doubt in my mind. I mean, she, she was racy all day. Like you said, her qualifying times were good. Um, she was, she was really, really impressive. Yeah. I don't think you can count her out. And that same thing. I mean, there's a couple girls right now that I think can get up there and battle with some that didn't have all that good of luck in this race. And that's why it's like, it's kind of, there's not a whole lot of emphasis, at least from my standpoint, on this race. I'm kind of like, okay, we got through it. Track was pretty gnarly. Let's move on to Texas, and I think we're going to see the cards fall out a little bit more mm-hmm. and see who's going to step up and rise to the occasion. Yeah, absolutely. So the full rundown here will give you uh, Andrea Berger with the win, of course. Kinsey Osborne's an impressive second. Neve Shaw. She gets up to third, sells for third in this one. Madison Trower finishes her strong day with a fourth. Ellie Roush, she ends up fifth. 
Holly Carroll, sixth. Shelby Combrando was seventh. Uh, Olivia Joyner, eighth. Michelle Grant, ninth. Brooke Schneider, 10th. Megan Giblin, uh, Amber Burnett, McKaylee Vantium, Michaela Newell, Chelsea McKinney, and Jasmine Poole rounded out the rest of the class there. So of all the racers, we saw some great racing at the front there, but of all the racers, Kinsey Osborne, newcomer to the class, she was more impressive than anybody. She impressed me so much. Let's get her in here to talk about a truly impressive debut for her. All right, guys, our first guest of the night, impressed in a major way at Daytona, brought to you by our friend Scott Haymauer at the Haymauer Financial Group. Their financial advisors are ready to help you reach your goals with personalized goal-based plans to help your family prepare for whatever life brings. That's Haymauer Financial Group, 920-338-8150. She finished runner-up at Daytona in her WMX debut. Say hello to Kinsey Osborne. Kinsey, WMX podium finish at Daytona International Speedway. How does it feel? Uh, it feels pretty good. I mean, it's the first race of the season, so not a, I didn't put much pressure on myself. But, yeah, it feels really good coming off the podium. So, so what did you expect? You put that thing on the podium. You're up front all day, you know, like battling for the lead in the heat race right there for the lead in the whole main event. Is that what you expected? Uh, no. Honestly, I was thinking um, – to myself on the gate, I was thinking, just finish the race. Don't get stuck. Like mm-hmm. just finish basically, or like maybe top three, but I wasn't really pushing it. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it was awesome. Um, I literally said out loud when I was watching the main event, I literally said, how cool is this? Because, you know, Berger and Shaw are the Weenan and Hetrick of the WMX class. So we basically watched a rookie get in the middle of the battle with Weenan and Hetrick. I just thought that was so special. And I don't know what you think. I mean, I'm sure you somewhat look up to those girls, but to find yourself battling with them right away that had to be a pretty special feeling for you yeah it was just really really cool and especially being able to go down to Daytona that's awesome I've never raced like supercross format or anything like that right so it was a cool experience yeah that's awesome you can't explain to to somebody how cool it is to be in the middle of there you know it's like it's like Daytona like the infield is like a town inside of this giant speedway and then to race in there and just like look up at you know the stands in front of you when you're sitting on the gate there's nothing like that yeah I haven't that was the first time I've been to Daytona and on mm-hmm. speedway and it was just awesome yeah it's unreal so it looks like you're going to be a podium contender with these girls long into the future so that's why I wanted to get you on here to basically introduce you to our listeners and you know there was times Kinsey where it looked like like you could legitimately make the pass for the lead in that main event. I know it was, it was pretty one lined out there, but you were, you know, riding with some serious urgency and every lap on the finish line section, specifically, you would get right up on Andrea's grab bar. You, you had something dialed in in that section. Yeah. I mean, mostly I was just um, trying to stay smooth, especially with all the ruts going on. And I had a lot of arm pump, but <laughs> I'll be training and working on that. So, <laughs> Hey, you don't have any excuse, you know, with your dad having Briarcliff there, got a great tractor uh, on it. You have no excuse to have arm pump. Yeah. Well, the high weather is really getting us right now. So, <laughs> Hey, I'm from Wisconsin. I know exactly what that's like, <laughs> but, uh, how's the 450? So you're running basically a very similar quad, right? But it's got a, got a 450 engine now instead of the 250. How is that? Uh, I like it a lot better. 
just power wise, everything, it feels better. Like, I don't know, on the 250, I felt kind of restricted. Okay. And just, I like, especially on the start for 450s. <laughs> last year in the women's 15 plus on a 250, I just never got the good start. So, so you'll run the, that other class this year as well, correct? Yeah. 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 So you'll be a contender in that one too. And I think we, we talked about with our other, uh, with Andrea, when we've had her on the show and I think with your dad as well, but, uh, Jeremy Osborne owner of Briarcliff, maybe, I, maybe I should have said that already. Um, we kind of hinted at it, but we talked with them, how cool it is to have that, that girls or women's 15 plus class, just to have another class for you guys to race and for you to have raced, you know, some of the WMX riders, you know, not the top ones, but some of the WMX riders in that class already. That's just such an awesome bridge class. I mean, to think, you know, obviously you're, you're a heck of a rider, but if you weren't able to, if you had to go directly from the 250 to WMX, that would be a big jump. Uh, talk on how, you know, important that, women's 15 plus class is because that was an awesome addition to the series yeah and it really it really is a good transition like for me last year getting to feel like battling with Madison Trower and all that mm -hmm. and just kind of like knowing the pace and knowing how it's going to be like getting an idea of what's going to be in WMX and like without the women's 15 plus class it makes girls feel like they're forced to like run like a C class or something something they're not comfortable with Mm -hmm. So I think the women's 15 plus is um, a really good transition for that. Yeah. And I think like you said there, and that's a good point to hit on is for so many people, like very few people go to a national and just race one class. So to have another option for you, for, you know, ladies out there, I think that that's just cool because everybody wants to be able to run two classes. So to be able to have both of those when you go to races is, is pretty cool. So uh, who do you look up, look up to in the sport, Kinsey? Is it the ladies like like Andrea Berger or Neve Shaw, or, or is it the guys, some of the pro riders? Who do you look up to? I'd say definitely for the women's, it's Andrea, of course. She's just okay. so strong, like fast, everything. Mm -hmm. And um, I would say for on the guys' side, honestly, um, Brandon Hogue or Joel Hedrick, both those mm -hmm any of the guys honestly they're all so right. fast right yeah yeah I was curious about that I, I assumed I, I look at Andrea as being like pros pro I mean she's like the Chad yeah. Weenan, right I mean that's how I look at her and it's a little it's a little skewed for me because like I grew up with Andrea you know like she's from right here by me so I remember her like being at the races before she was even racing um but yeah like she's just such a good racer I feel like she's got so many great qualities on and off the track and then obviously you know Neve is awesome too I'm just you know I, I've known Andrea my whole life so I've watched her grow up and turn into this great racer um she's just such a great ambassador for the sport so to hear that you know that that she's uh somebody that you look up to is awesome and just listening to you um i feel like you know the sport's in good hands even after this this wave of girls that's you know around now i feel like you know you could be that person in the future yeah and i i feel like definitely in the school girl school girl class mm -hmm. um there's going to be some really fast girls too that would come up to wmx like natalie jackson yep Shelby Shimon, Alyssa Yarber, mm -hmm. all of them. Mm -hmm. So the class has a lot of potential and I'm really excited for it. 
Yeah, I love that we're seeing some of that new talent come in that you're hinting at there because you you just spent seasons battling with Natalie Jackson. Obviously, yeah. she's going to be good when she moves up. And then some of those other girls too. Um, McKaylee Vantium, I feel like is pretty good. And yeah. Madison Trower, we saw her win that heat race in front of you. That mm-hmm. was impressive. So uh, there's a lot of really good talent. And I feel like some of that is, you know, that the, the schoolgirl class is strong, that women's 15 plus is strong. That's just going to continue to help the WMX class, which, which is just awesome to see. And then to see, you know, you guys had a full gate at Daytona. That's yeah. pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, that's the first time I've ever had a full gate in one of the women's <laughs> classes. Yeah. That's so cool. Last question for you, Kinsey, uh, what long-term goals do you have? So do you have like your eyes on winning a WMX title someday, or do you want to compete in boys classes or something else? What are your goals? So first off this year, I definitely want to win the women's 15 plus and top three in WMX. And then maybe next year, WMX championship. But after that, I don't know. I really want to do a C class or maybe even a B class. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Just like work my way up to it. But right now I just need to get used to the WMX five lap motos and like having both motos on Saturdays Mm -hmm. because it's just a lot right off the jump. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a great answer. And yeah, you've seen, you've seen Andrea Berger do really good in some of those classes. She won a B class race last year, the year before, like she's, she's, she's gnarly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely, definitely following her footsteps, I think is a, is an awesome thing. Um, but Kinsey, yeah, it's awesome to talk to you. Uh, you had such an awesome race on Tuesday. I don't know, even if you're giving yourself enough credit, talk about your dad, how, how nervous was dad? How psyched was dad? Tell me about that. Uh, he was really, he was really happy afterwards. I mean, I don't really know if he gets nervous before my races, but he was okay. really, really proud. And he just does so much for me, like getting the bike ready. Um, actually, Two weeks ago at Decker's, he, um, my bike blew up. My new race bike blew up the first oh, lap. Shoot. Oh my so gosh. he was working like every night, every day to fix it for me so I could race. And I just really appreciate him for that. And just always being there. Yeah. He's an awesome guy. That was a great answer on your part. Uh, Kinsey, this is, this has been, it's been cool to talk to you. We had to work around your high school schedule. Uh, so, yeah. so, you know, we had a little hurdle to work with there, but I had, uh, I had a feeling that you were going to be super good this year. I'd been talking about it on some of these shows and, um, I think you even did better than I expected at Daytona. So we're stoked to get you on here. Great job. Congrats. And I look forward to seeing what you have in store for us at these next, these next rounds going forward into the summer. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, really cool to be on here. Great job, Kinsey. You keep killing it and we'll get you back on. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much. Good job. Congrats. All right. Back here on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. And now the moment you've all been waiting for the AMA ATV Pro Class main event. And there's only one way to start our coverage. We have to get this man in here to talk about a race he'll never forget. All right, guys, this next guest stole the show at Daytona. The ATB world is still talking about it. Brought to you by our friends at SSI decals, making your identity stick with graphics and decals made exactly to your liking. Get started today at SSIDecals.com. We're here with Brandon Hogue, of course. Buddy, take me through your emotions. Just two days removed from your heartbreak, you suffered with the finish line basically in sight on Tuesday at Daytona. Yeah, I, I, uh, I was hoping it would get a little better as the days went by, but as of right now, it got a little worse. Um, 
like I, it's just I've got more time to think about it and like keep going through every lap in my head and everything but mm-hmm. like it's I, I'm doing pretty well and it's still it's really motivating uh with the training right now and like my confidence and all that stuff so that's all good but it definitely now that I've slept on it a few nights like it, it definitely hurts for sure Mm-hmm. I, I assumed that that was, you know, going to be the reaction from you. The one thing I will say though, it's got to give you some solace knowing that you can do it, you know, like you can go to the line now knowing like, Hey, I can, I can lead laps. I can get whole shots. I can, I can probably win one of these things. That's got to be a feather in your cap because until this point, you know, you've never had a race like you had at Daytona. We saw you win heat races, you know, and Daytona's past, but this was still a first for you. And though I'm, I, I gotta believe it feels like you're, you were robbed. You know, I know I, I get that. Um, but I feel like that still has to be a good feeling, something to hold on to knowing that, Hey, like there's nothing that I'm not capable of when I go to the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even the coolest thing for me about it, all of it was all day. I felt like I was even more capable of mm-hmm. more like, of better riding than even I did. Like even in qualifying, there was one part of the track that I really was struggling in just because, you know, the way my bike was and I was in the middle of a shift pattern and stuff. And like, I knew there was one part that I was super slow in. So like even the qualifying laps didn't go how I know that it could have went. And then in the heat race, you know, like uh, I came out behind Joel and I was watching Joel ride and just the way that I was riding. And I felt super confident that, in the main event, I had, a, I had more in me to like go faster and push the turns harder. Sure. And I also saw the track develop and I knew that it would, it would be better, you know, like obviously that I, I was, it was just, my confidence was really high. Like mm-hmm. the whole day I kept telling the musics that like, just wait till the main event because the track will develop and I know I can push these turns, mm-hmm. you know, really hard. So, yeah. You know, I thought it was a, I thought it was a really mature day from you, you know, in the past, you know, we talked two years ago about that Daytona race where it felt like it was yours. You felt like it was yours going to the line, but it still felt like, you know, you were almost swinging for the fences, like, Hey, like I I gotta do it. I gotta do it. And it just felt like this time around, it was totally different where things were just in your wheelhouse. You were totally in control, yet you were at the front of the pack and turning fast laps. Is that how it felt for you? Because that's kind of what you're describing. Yeah, it is. And a lot of it is just, I have a different type of confidence right now in my riding and how smart I am Mm -hmm. on the bike. And I'm really confident in the changes that we made in the off season with suspension and not even that, but just gearing uh fine-tuning the bike we did so much fine-tuning on that track uh, at Daytona that it was so good mentally to feel that change benefit me uh and it allowed me to ride the track better and more in control so like all those things it just changed the confidence like compared to in the past I never really had that so like that was really cool we talked about it you know leading up to the season here but the musics know their stuff you know so so um to have them in your corner I think is an awesome thing you know you grabbed the whole shot there in the main event you never looked back what was it like to have Joel breathing down your neck like that because kind of like we talked about being in control uh, it seemed like like you handled it like a champ like I don't know that I saw a single mistake out of you so tell me what that was like yeah yeah, it, it was just, 
Honestly, I didn't even know he was behind me until until about like maybe six or seven laps in. Uh, I would hear on the tight sections, like I could hear a squad behind me. And uh, and I didn't even know who it was. I just kind of I was going to guess Joel or Chad or someone. So, mm-hmm. But it, it never like registered to me to get out of control and, and go harder. Like I knew the way the track was. If I blew out of a rut, it was over. They were going to get by me. So it was just super like a high level of focus to not blow out of a rut. And then, uh, I mean, I, I felt like really in control, even with the way the track was. Mm-hmm. Um, and my fitness was really good. And it just allowed like, yeah, like it was just a, one of those things where you're in the flow. And that's awesome. I never even, yeah, I wasn't worried about who was behind me. And I was also uh, one of the laps, like he showed me a wheel on this turn before the finish. And I knew that was one of the only places like he would have been able to try. Mm-hmm. So I had that in my mind and I was ready to protect that, but mm-hmm. I didn't do too much protecting. Like I, it wasn't like I had to dive inside everywhere. Mm-hmm. I just took the main lines and they were fast. So it was, it was good. Yeah. I, you know, I saw, I saw, you know, there's been some, some interactions and stuff on social media, right. With people talking about it being one lined and whatever. The thing is, mm-hmm. is that, you know, you were, you were you're, as the leader, you were setting the pace and you weren't, it's not like you were holding Joel up. It was like, you guys were going the same pace, you know, you guys were together, but you weren't holding him up. You were, you, you know, again, you were setting the pace. So I, I feel like uh, I just needed to say that before letting that get by, because, you know, there's some people making some comments on Facebook and I'm like, <laughs> what, what, I mean, what do you, what did, what race did they watch? It surely wasn't the race that I did. Yeah. I've already, I've commented back to a couple of people because <laughs> they just have, like I the 400 EX like, comment, the 400 EX oh, comment. <laughs> yeah. A 400 EX could pull the whole shot and win that. Like, Oh Let me tell you, gosh. if 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 someone else would have pulled the whole shot, like Joel would have ran him down. That's just the way it is. Right. Like Joel's obviously got really insane raw speed. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how how people have that. Uh, I don't know either. It, it is what it is. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't know either. I I thought the same thing. I mean, your pace was so good. You guys were going so fast on that racetrack. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just, again, they had to be watching a different race than I was. So on the, on the racer TV broadcast there. So I see, you know, I'm watching, I see this puff of steam and I literally said out loud, Oh no. Were you able to sense something was happening to your machine then after that? Could you feel it going away on you? Yeah, it started to seize. Um, so not that very first lap, but the second lap around Mm -hmm. it was starting to seize. I could feel it. Um, and I didn't, I honestly, I was thinking about trying to like start to milk it, but I figured that would even honestly probably be just as bad. So I did feel it. Um, and I think like Hetrick almost probably ran into me at that point and I, I didn't know when it was going to go. Uh, and I saw it stop smoking, which mm-hmm. I think is bad. So yeah. I was like, man, this isn't going to be good, but I was just praying for a, a white flag or a two lap card or something. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at that point, you know, you're, you're well on your way to your first career pro class victory. You led 15 and a half laps at that point. So I'm sure in your mind, you're thinking, man, we got to be pretty close to the end. And then you suffer this mechanical failure prematurely ends your race. There was less than four laps remaining. You had let every lap at that, at that point. So an obvious heartbreaker, I can't even imagine, you know, what obviously that felt like at that point. So you come out of that corner in front of the crowd, the thing lets go. 
you roll to a stop, the steam surrounds you and you kind of slouch down, but then tell me what happens next, because it seemed like you had a, some kind of special interaction with the crowd there. Yeah, I was like, right when it happened, I was about to start crying and be, be emotional. And I put my head down and like got pretty low for a second, but then I realized what I just was doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that was a personal best for me. So I, I and then I, the crowd started to cheer and I realized like at the end of the day, maybe on paper, I'll get 13th, but like I, I it was still a personal best day. And uh, I just got a big high right there and yep. hearing the crowd like that, like it just was really cool. And yeah, it was, it was some emotion right there, but uh, at the end of it, like I was more happy than I was mad. Yeah. I mean, what an, what an awesome, what an awesome moment that was to see you fist pumping the crowd. You could hear the crowd on the TV broadcast. It was an awesome way for you to kind of in that moment, take in what you had just done. And I thought that that was really impressive. And then for to be embraced by the crowd like that, like that had to be, had to be pretty surreal. So that would have made for a banner day. Obviously it would have made for a banner day for the newly formed music racing and repair team, your team owner, Brett music had just stepped off the podium following a dominant victory in the pro sport main event. We uh, actually have Brett coming up later on the show here, but through one race, Brandon, how is the new music racing team looking, treating you? How's it feeling so far? Tell me, tell me how it's been so far. A lot of changes to the program, a lot of different components, a lot of different stuff, but man, it looks like for a first race, you guys, uh, you guys just about knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think change is good. And like, for me, wanting the change for is exactly what I got. Um, like the group that is at the track, Brett's dad, it, they are so into racing and I know I love that I, when I want to do something, they want to do it just as bad as I do, whether that's, you know, checking the bike or, or just, uh, going to look at the track or trying to, to put our minds together. And uh, that, that's the type of people I want to be around because uh, it helps me and it gives me confidence even when I'm, when I'm watching that. And they're, they're 100% into me and believe in me. And they tell me that, and that means a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I w- it would have showed like if, if I would have won, that would have been insane to have Brett go in and then me go in, especially I feel like we were uh, like under the radar a little bit more than normal, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like I listened to some of the the previous podcasts and stuff, and mm-hmm. I felt like I definitely was a little, uh, you know, under the radar, which hey, I like hey, that. hey, yeah. in my credit, you were on my fantasy team. So I, I was, I, did see I was looking so good, Brandon. I was looking so good till four laps, four laps to go. If it would have just been four laps shorter, I would have, I would have been sitting pretty, man. Yeah. I was trying to help you out there, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, but But. I I love those guys. I absolutely love those guys. I love the vibe. I mean, I've spent, you know, a number of years racing against Brett. I mean, a ton and I just, they're so enjoyable. They're so upbeat. They're so awesome. They love the racing. They know they're racing. I just like that. It's got like a, it's got like an amateur 
or like a growing up yeah. vibe. You know what I mean? Where, you know, we're mm-hmm. watching the track, we're working on our bikes, hand on hands on. I've just always loved how they do it. I, I, I don't know how else to say it. I just, I love those guys. And it's so awesome for me. I said it when we kind of announced this whole deal, you guys announced it or talked about it on my show here. Um, when you went to that music racing team, it's such an awesome combination because, you know, obviously I love you. I cheer for you. And, and I love those guys too. I just think it's a, it's this, it's like a power couple. It's an awesome relationship for you guys. And I think it's going to be successful for everybody, for all of you. Yeah, I get that same feeling. And, and I really appreciate the way that they, they treat it because there's never, there's never negative talk about anything. It's always, everything's like a a positive talk. Uh, They trust me too, which is cool. Like, you know, I was, I was checking my bike over and looking at it and I would tighten the chain or whatever. And they trust me to do that, which is also really cool because they respect they respect me and and like they trust me to do that which it feels a little different and and i do like that Um, it's it's empowering right it's empowering to be able to be hands-on on on your own machine um like i said it's empowering that's a good feeling yeah and one other thing it's kind of a little off topic but yeah i wish i could explain how many people uh, look at me and if they see me wrenching on a bike or something they'd be like like oh that thing's gonna break like that like they, they act like I don't know what I'm doing. And those guys do not do that. They know and they trust me. And that's, you know, it's one of the first times I felt that I felt that people actually trusted me. Like, I, I hate the feeling of, you know, people are like, oh, Brandon doesn't know what he's doing. Or, you know, I, I'll tell sure. him, hey, I think we should raise the front end of the bike just a tad. They're like, yep, let's do it. I was thinking the same thing. Like, it's just, that's a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, it's empowering and it, there's a confidence that comes with being hands-on with that thing, knowing it's ready to go. And like you said, you've kind of hinted at it. We talked about it in previous stuff with previous talks with you being able to make decisions for yourself. If you want something, you know, the rider needs to be the one that's happy, right? So the mm-hmm. fact that you can make the decisions and, and whatever you want changed with that thing, massaged with that thing to be exactly the way you want it. Like, that's all a rider can ask for. Yeah. And I wish everyone could get that. Like I wish everyone could experience that type of group around you. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Well, those guys should be proud to have you, pal. I said it previously. Uh, we all couldn't have been prouder for the way you handled yourself in a gut wrenching situation in the midst of heartbreak. You handled it like a, like a, um, you handled it with the grace of a true champion. I was so proud that, like I said, they got to be proud to have you just, you couldn't have handled it any better. Uh, thank you. I, yeah, I think I'll look back on this one and, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll be happy that I wasn't trying to be, be uh, like Harv came and got me to go up on the podium and it, mm-hmm. it actually took quite a bit to go do that. I didn't want to. And like, I had my girlfriend being like, come on, you know, you got to. And yeah. I was pretty low at that moment, but I realized I'd rather give off the image of a, a, a you know, mm-hmm. happy and, uh, and, and proud of that. So mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was just something I'll never forget. Yeah. I, I don't care what the results sheet says. You had, you said basically the same thing before. I don't care what the results say. You're a winner in every sense of the word. Everyone that knows you knows you're going to take this misfortune and use it as fuel, not let it defeat you. I mean, your day is coming. You can't, nobody could watch what you did there on Tuesday and not think, man, he's going to get another chance at this thing. And I think that, uh, 
you know, in my mind, there's no doubt you're going to get another chance to be up there and compete for wins and podiums all season long. I really, I really truly believe that. Well, thank you, man. Yeah. I, I know Daytona is different than the rest. So I, I'm prepared for that. I know, I know the rest of these races, usually it's different and I'm fully aware, but mm -hmm. we're going to keep working and uh, the, the program's working. Johnny's working and like, we're going to keep working on things I need to fix and improve on. But um, if, if we can try to do this at the outdoor races, mm -hmm. then, uh, you know, focus on good starts and just keep working hard. I think we're going to get closer and closer. So we'll see though. Hey, you couldn't have came up with a better starting point than, I mean, obviously, you know, you wish you could change the last four laps, but for a starting point, what an awesome way. I mean, you know, you're going into these next races with momentum. The momentum doesn't change because of what happened at the end of the race. I mean, you, you're going to the, to the line, to the gate, to the track, feeling like anything is possible. Yeah. Yep. And I, I trust everyone behind me and the bike and it's, it's a really good bike. It's a, you know, it's one of the few Hondas out there, but it's a really good, comfortable bike. And, uh, and I'm, I'm confident to ride that thing. And yeah, like I, I, I have some momentum mentally for sure. Uh, I'm going to use that these next couple of weeks. Uh, Texas really isn't my, my style of track. I did really bad there last year, but yep. we're not going to look at it that way. I'm going to try to go rip some starts and uh, see what I can do. Hey, you got a, you got a lot of people, you know, you're, you're the team Honda representative at this point, right? You got a, you got a lot of Honda guys out there pulling for you and you wanted to be on a Honda. So that's gotta be a pretty good feeling. You probably got a lot, lot more fans than you've ever had before, not only because of what you did on Tuesday, but every Honda guy is out there pulling for you. Yeah. I love that. I love all those, those Honda supporters are like, <laughs> let's go man right. <laughs> yeah it's awesome yeah okay last question before we get out of here what do the next couple weeks look like for you the next few weeks i'm sure uh you wish you could get right back to the gate obviously but that's not an option so uh what are you putting your focus on between now and three palms yeah um i'm increasing training volume a little bit more and then uh i'm gonna be riding in the next couple days um and then yeah, it's really going to be just trying to be on the bike a little bit more uh, towards Three Palms. Uh, I, I didn't get a ride too much, like right before Daytona, but that's the plan is just get on the bike a little bit more and uh, carry the momentum there and, and see what we can do. No, uh, I love to hear it. Brandon, I've never been prouder of you. I'm not a father. Hopefully someday I will be. But if I had a son, I would want him to respond the exact way you did on Tuesday. You're an incredible role model. Uh, you're the best man. Great job. And I uh, appreciate you being here with us. Uh, no, that means seriously, I hit home, man. It's uh, I learned from you, like, you know, you had me at your place when I was young and uh, I watched you from, from the, the outskirts, you know, I, I saw you every morning working out I saw you working on your quad. And I said to myself, like, I want to be like that guy. And I want to take, you know, take the aspects I learned from you and put it to me. So, well, yeah, I, I, I greatly appreciate that. I appreciate that more than, you know, but I don't even, I don't even deserve that. So credit to you, man. I, again, I'm so proud. Sometimes the box score doesn't tell the whole story. Oftentimes victories aren't just measured in wins and losses. You're a winner and you showed everybody that on Tuesday. Thanks for giving us a little bit of your time. Looking forward to doing this again. Great job and uh, take care. We'll talk to you again soon, pal. Thanks mate. Appreciate See it. See you, pal. Thanks.
As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed the client's expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience. Whether you're in need of service, parts, warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to impactsolutionsatv.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at Manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. Hey everyone, this is Larry Mills, president of DP Breaks North America and proud partner of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. We at DP Brakes are a longtime supporter of ATV racing and the world leader in centered brake technology, dominating the ATV world for decades by supporting the best four-wheel racers on the planet. This year's lineup includes Jeff Restrelli, Mark Baldwin and Baldwin Motorsports, Ford Brothers Racing, Nick Janusa, and many more, including Mr. Digging Deep himself, Cody Jansen, plus all the top 17 GNCC pros such as seven-time champion Walker Fowler, Bryson Neal, Hunter Hart, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, Adam McGill, and previous champion Chris Borch. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on top of the podium week after week. DP Brakes are available through www.dp-brakes.com or you can purchase them through your local parts and limited stocking dealer or you can even message us, myself, Larry Mills or DP Brakes on Instagram or Facebook and if you have any questions about product or sponsorship support, please ask us. We are waiting for you. Join the best ATV riders in the world equipped with DP Brakes and have a great year everyone. Nearing two decades into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back and better than ever, continuing to make major waves in the ATV world. For the third consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team, providing their state-of-the-art Evo Nerf bars, MX-style front bumpers, 
and grab bars for two-time champ Joel Hetrick. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to Factory43ATV.com to see their full line of industry-leading products available for all makes and models. Head over to Factory43ATV.com today. Success in the ATV MX world is similar to what creates financial success as well. The right people, the right advice, and more importantly, hard work and the benefit of an ongoing relationship as situations change and adversity is experienced. Do you have the right financial advisor to help you reach your goals? Haymower Financial Group can create a personalized, goal-based plan to help your family prepare for whatever life brings. Call me, Scott Haymower, at Haymower Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, at 920-338-8150. That's 920-338-8150. Offices located in beautiful De Pere, Wisconsin, with registrations and clients nationwide. All right, back with Casey Greek on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. So we just heard from Brandon there. Casey, take me through what you were thinking when you saw Brandon roll to a stop and go up and smoke, because honestly, a few tears came to my eyes even. It was a it was truly a gut-wrenching moment to kick off the season for Brandon Hoke. Yeah, I mean, gutted for him, absolutely. I mean, we know Brandon believes and and can win races, and so – to be in the position to go out there and, and he put himself in the position. He ripped the whole shot and was right there. And, you know, he got, he snuck in. He was just a little bit more outside, I think of Joel and he come around and ended up with the whole shot and really just was doing his thing. I mean, he was riding great. He rode really good in the, in the heat race and was in the driver's seat for this one. And I, you know, I, I think he probably would have pulled it off. Um, without a small mechanical that ended up costing him the race, but absolutely gutted. But, you know, he handled it well. Um, I love that, you know, when in that situation that you can go so many different directions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously he was gutted. He was sitting there just like, oh, man. And then he's like, you know what? That was probably one of the best races of my life. I'm going to live it while I can and kind of do the fist pump towards the crowd. And it was really cool, the entire crowd, like, lifted up on their feet and was cheering for them. I think that was awesome to see the community of ATV racing, whether, um, you know, Brandon's your favorite rider or not, or, you know, whatever it is, or he is your favorite rider and someone else isn't like just to see, I mean, I don't think there was one person that wasn't cheering for him when that happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the way he handled it, I've, I've set it up and down. I posted about it. I told him about it. We just heard me talking to him on the show here. But the way he handled it, he handled it like an absolute champion. Uh, couldn't have handled it any better. I was so proud of him. So, yeah, gut-wrenching for him. That It was so close. He could taste it, I think. But uh, he'll get another chance. I mean, he's long season, a lot of racing to go. But it's obviously going to feel like the one uh, that got away for him. He said that he's, you know, you guys just heard him. He said that he's struggling with it more now than, than he was in the past couple days. Um, uh, but if, if we know Brandon, and again, I told this to him, but we know Brandon, we know that he's going to take this and use it as fuel, not let him, not let it get him down. So, uh, after we lose Brandon there, Joel Hedrick inherits the lead and he goes from taking on massive amounts of roost from Brandon Hogue to being out front by eight plus seconds. So I think we knew that Joel had this one in the bag at that point. 
point. Let's get him in here to tell us how he was feeling watching all this craziness go down. All right, guys, we are here with your 2022 Daytona ATV Supercross winner brought to you by our friends at Yamaha and their industry leading race winning YFZ 450R. Check out their full off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com. You know who it is. Say hello to Mr. Joel Hetrick. Joel, congrats on the win. Man, what a difference a year makes. Yeah, right. Wow. It feels good to start off uh, on a good note. I mean, just uh, leaving Daytona this year, especially with what we had conditions wise, I, I was just uh, super thankful that I was able to come out of there, not on top of my head, like last year, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's been a few times that, that you've left Daytona with a major deficit. So uh, to not put yourself in that big hole right away is a major positive for you. Last year, it happened again. Um, you found yourself, you know, all roughed up from a tangle with a lapper while leading this year, you get the job done. You grab the win at the season opener. It's only your second win at Daytona, which is crazy to think. And uh, something you haven't done very often is grabbing the points lead at the opening round, you did just that. And that has to be such a good feeling for you and your crew. Yeah, for sure. That's, uh, that's what I work for all winter long, you know, uh, Decker training facility. Um, the hospitality there was just amazing. And we had, um, we had actual Daytona prep track is what we called it that they made for us. And oh, wow. it really paid off. I mean, uh, the train tracks that we had at Decker's, I felt like were really similar to Daytona, uh, rough in the train track. So it was just spot on training for the event. And, um, you know, I think just got that Yamaha working really good right now. And I was just, I was feeling it, you know, I was in a positive mindset and, uh, I'm in a good place right now. So just, uh, it feels really good. Yeah. I mean, like, like you said, it has to feel so good. Speaking of feeling so good, you just returned home from spending months at Deckers. You just talked about it from your doing your preseason training. How good did it feel to be in your own bed last night? Oh my gosh. You have no idea, man. It was, uh, <laughs> the RV bed's short and you know, me being a short guy, you'd be like, Oh, it doesn't matter. But my legs like go off the bed. So it was a hard couple months in there, you know, and you know, with the family, the two kids, Eli's growing up, he's walking, he started walking at a little over, uh, 11 weeks or maybe a little under 11 weeks. He's just a little maniac right now. So 11 keeping months. him under control 11 months. in 11 months, sorry, mm -hmm. uh, keeping him under control in that rig with Evelyn and everything, it just, it was a task at times. And, uh, them cold days really, really were a struggle, but, uh, mm -hmm. it started to warm up towards the end of the winter. And, you know, we were outside a lot and that really helped uh, everyone's spirits. I think, you know, kind of bring some more positivity, more sunlight. Uh -huh. Um, you know, that always helps. So it, it was a good time. Credit to your wife, man. I, I thought about this so often because, and I said to Casey, I said to some of these guys on these shows, like, it feels, it feels like you've been there for forever. Right. And I just think yep. of Carly, you know, I mean, you're, she's just, and I said this to you via text yesterday, but she's such a trooper, such a giant part of your program. The fact that she's all in is so cool, but man, credit to her because, you know, yep. plus the two kids all being in the RV, all being at the, in, at the racetrack for all that time, man. Um, that's, I, that's gotta be a huge part of what makes you successful is to have, you know, your home life be so awesome and to have everybody be a part of your racing. I think that that's what every racer dreams of. That's just so cool to me. Yeah. I feel like it just, uh, it brings me to a comfortable level having them there with me every day. And, you know, it was a lot of hard work for her. So just bless her with, you know, everything she encountered all winter long. And I uh, really couldn't do it without her. And in the days that, you know, I didn't want to leave because I knew, you know, it was, 
mentally stressful for both of us and, and her more than me in, in the aspect of the kids. So mm-hmm. for her to take that on and let me do what I did every morning and every night and throughout the days. And it, it's just, um, I don't, I wouldn't have wanted it any other way. I'm sure she probably wanted to go home, but, um, <laughs> I, I really didn't want them to because it just, it was really peaceful for me in my, in my mind, knowing that they're there with me and I, you know, not here in North Carolina by themselves. And, uh, mm-hmm. yep. it just, it was awesome. And I don't think she's going to do it again is from what she's told me. <laughs> no, she, she probably will, but I don't think for the whole duration, you know, we stayed there just, just a really long time. I had a ride in school right at new year's and, um, we were like, we'll just stay, you know, and, and we did. And from them, it just, it makes it all worth it, you know, and I just wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. So I had planned on talking to you and I don't want to, we'll get back to the racing. I didn't want to let this go by without touching on it, but I planned to talk to you in the fall and it just never worked out. But I wanted to ask you about, you know, the, you uprooted your life, basically your move, you moved, you know, the family, you guys moved down there to North Carolina. And I wanted to be able to talk to you on how big of a, you know, hurdle that kind of was last year. Cause you were dealing with the, all of that move and stuff in season and then how awesome or how much of an improvement you think that's going to be for you this year to be down there close to the shop, close to the team, obviously good weather and, you know, good riding and stuff like that. But I'm assuming, you know, you obviously made that move because it was going to be a major improvement for your program. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the hurdle was real. I mean, it was a big one and uh, you know, I, I lost a, a little bit of, focus on what I needed to do throughout the season, just with, um, you know, selling the house and, and getting everything packed up. And it was just, uh, there's just a lot going on, you know, financially, uh, it was great, but it just took a lot of time to get everything in order. And, you know, now being here in North Carolina, 25 minutes from, uh, Phoenix racing, uh, they're just the opportunities there for me to go testing, to change the bike, uh, to work with my mechanic, Gary, you know, sometimes us riders, you know, we work all day and, uh, you know, riding and training and everything. And you go home, you got to work on your bike and mm-hmm. I still have to do that. But, you know, some days if it's something crucial, maybe Gary could help me out. And uh, I think that's just going to bring a little bit of stress off me. And, um, you know, it's, it, it was really good when I got here last year. I was I was here for like Briarcliff, uh, Loretta's. And being down here in the heat at that at the summer, it, it was like, wow, this is uh, this is actually going to be really helpful because in Pennsylvania it was like seventies and eighties and here it's like eighties and nineties. So right. uh, the dramatic difference of weather is definitely going to help me keep, you know, the heat tolerance there for sure. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch, you know, that improvement to your program play out this year. So uh, the last thing I want to touch on kind of mopping up the Decker, you know, being at Deckers and everything for so long, I have to believe that that makes you know, the feeling of victory that much more special when you put in all that work, you dedicate all that time, your family dedicates all of their own time and their presence Mm -hmm. to being there. I have to think that, you know, all that effort and sacrifice makes, you know, reaping the rewards and getting that victory and experiencing that success that much sweeter at Daytona. Yeah. Um, it definitely was, it was a, it was a different feeling for me, um, being there, being that I went there with a plan and a goal, um, someone actually commented, that's the most emotion I've ever seen you have after a race. Yeah. Uh, and after a championship, you know, I don't think I acted like that, but I had, you know, something in my mind before this race. Um, and I just, I, I just had to win. Like I, I did everything I could all, all off season long. And I just felt like I, you know, I wanted to win. I put that in my mind and I go there and I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, granted the circumstances, it, it was just, 
it was mind blowing to me that a plan actually worked at Daytona. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, all of these, we talked about it, like all the times where you've been thrown a curveball and you've had to find yourself in a hole. Like, obviously you don't plan it to be that way. And then obviously there's been times in the past where I'm sure the plan was just to get out of Daytona and, uh, and, and you know, even that plan didn't go right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, touching, oh, yeah. on, touching on the emotion, so we saw all the photos of you, you know, standing on the seat. We posted them. You just referenced them. I think it was the most emotion we've ever seen you, you know, show hands up in the air, elated, obviously at the win. So experiencing the highest of highs for you. Um, and then at the same time, you know, your buddy, Brandon Hogue is, you know, got to be devastated. Right. And he's like, he's yeah. a guy that you're yeah. close to take me through, you know, the emotions you're feeling there. Um, on, you know, you're experiencing this high, high, but you also like are, you know, probably bummed for your buddy. I mean, obviously you wanted to win, but you're bummed for, for Brandon. And the reason why I'm touching on this is because we saw the photos of you on the podium, kind of giving him a hug and, you know, just yeah. trying to, you know, make sure build him up almost, you know, yeah. and make sure he knows what he just accomplished and you know how proud you were of your buddy for how well he rode and how well he handled the situation. You probably didn't see it in, in, you know, in the moment, but you probably saw it afterwards, man. He took yeah. it like a champ. Yeah, man. Um, me and Brandon are, are, are very close. Uh, we always have been since he was pretty young and, uh, he lived with me for a couple of years. So we've, he's encountered the emotions that I've had from, you know, the 2018 losing the championship chain, losing by one point. Uh, I actually brought that up to him last night and, um, it's just, it's a different type of feeling. So when I, when I talked to him on the podium, I just told him, I said, I know how you feel. Uh, it'll get better you know, you deserve, you know, you deserve that. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a, it's a heartbreaker, you know, it's, it, it was one of the best performances he's had in a very long time, uh, leading 15 laps of the main, you know, ever. There, there, yeah. Best ever performance from yeah. him. Yeah, exactly. That's the most laps led from, from in his career. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, obviously he's going to be upset. He, there's going to be tears shed and, you know, but what he did on the track and, you know, fist bumping the crowd, getting the crowd hyped up. I watched a live video. That's that shows a lot um, to do that in that type of position that he was in mm -hmm. uh, because he could have just held his head low and, um, you know, walked off the track. But he uh, he embraced it and just took it as it was. And, you know, there's nothing you could do, man. It's you know, it's just a part of the game sometimes. And I've been there and I mm -hmm. felt like I could kind of help him out like I have over the years and especially in this circumstance like i i told him i said i've been at the lowest of the low buddy and mm -hmm. um it'll get better you know you just i said don't look online i kept telling him don't scroll through the comments and uh, you know people are just rude sometimes and <laughs> not know. even if they mean to but it's just like they say the wrong thing and it's upsetting mm -hmm. to us racers because i don't think they understand what they're what they're saying and what what kind of emotion that we have while you know doing this mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Um, I just been kind of helping him out a little bit. Uh, we haven't been talking too much. I just kind of, you know, letting him do his thing right now, but yeah, yeah, it's, it was a total bummer, man. Um, like Carly actually asked me, uh, about the race and she's like, what, what were you going to do? Were you going to pass them? And I'm like, I had, uh, I had two more things up my sleeve. And, and after that, I, you know, I would have ran out of laughs because one, I didn't know how many laps we had left because I couldn't mm -hmm. see. I pulled through 21 tear offs. So I could not see the entire race, Okay, you know, just in that dirt, like manure, it tasted like at least. And, uh, 
it was just brutal. So, you know, if, if the two things I had coming up didn't work, cause you know, I was so close to that lap when he blew up because I was going to try to make a move in the turn after the rollers, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to try to stuff it in there. It's going to be a little aggressive, but, uh, you know, you, you had to be on that track. I really wanted that win. Uh, he was riding phenomenal. I didn't want to take him out of his podium position, but I really felt like I could have, uh, been leading the race and had a little bit of a, a gap if I would have got out front, mm-hmm. but who knows, man, he, uh, he had me covered for most of that race. So, you know, props to him. Great ride. Um, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more out of that. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, there's a lot to take away there. I think that we are going to see Brandon up front. Obviously he's mm-hmm. going to feel like, like that's the one that got away. You know, yep. um, we knew it was going to be tough to pass on that track. We saw that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we did see Brandon get into the comments. We just talked to him on the, uh, he came up, he was our guest right before you here on the show. Oh. And uh, he did get in the comments. And the thing is, is there's some people, like you said, they don't know what they're saying. They're not maybe trying to be crappy about it, but like yeah. a rider is going to take offense to it. And, sure. you know, like what you guys do, your racing and, and your rep and, you know, everything that comes along with that, you wear your heart on your sleeve. So like, or it's the same thing with podcast stuff, you know, like sometimes I don't think people are trying to, you know, bitch about it, but sometimes they might say something and it's like, man, we work so hard or you guys, you train so hard. And it's like, sometimes those, those, it just cuts deep, I guess, you know, so for people to, for people to say, you know, Brandon was only doing it because of, you know, the track or whatever. I mean, yes. Was the track a factor? Sure. But he also led 15 and a half laps, you know, and, and somebody was going to win that race. And up until, you know, 15 and a half laps, he was the guy in best position, like, and, and, uh, you're, it, and you're here giving him credit. So everybody should be listening to, you know, the guy that knows best. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I went through lap times and, uh, there, there was no one else on the track other than me and him that were running the, the consistent times of uh, 49s and low fifties mm-hmm. throughout the whole race. So, you know, I, I had, I think a fast, the fastest lap, but Yep. You know, it, it was when I kind of had a clear track. I might've been, it was early on. So I might've been trying to catch up. Um, but man, I mean, it, it was, it was still difficult to ride. You know, it wasn't an easy race at all. Like no. the track brutal at the end, Max link was come off. He said that track was gnarly. And I'm like, dude, I know it's square edge holes coming out of the train track ruts, mm-hmm. kickers up the faces, kickers down the landings. I mean, it wasn't easy, man. And you know, it's just, people just sometimes think that they, by looking at you, the track looked simple, three turns of four jumps, whatever. It, it still ain't easy to beat that pack of riders, you know, especially when you got a guy breathing down your neck for 15 laps. I'm, I'm rev bombing the kid in the corners trying to make a mess up. Like I wasn't being nice, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it was, you know, it was coming down to the end of the race and I felt like I could have made a move, but who knows? I, I, I really don't know if it would have stuck. So yeah. That's what I told him. I said, I think you had me covered, man. Yeah, we knew it was going to be tough, but uh, yeah, it's just a tough break for him, but it worked out for you. You know, you put yourself in, in the best position you could. You you ended up being right there when something happened and you kind of had to figure that. I'm sure that was in your mind too. Not necessarily blowing up, but you had to be thinking, man, if he, if he you know, blows a berm, gets, you know, just yeah. hung up for a split second, because oh, yeah. obviously if you got off that main line, that was what was going to happen. You, I, I literally thought to myself, I'm like, I wonder if Joel's thinking like, I need to be right there or because mm-hmm. I was thinking like, as we start to know that Brandon's bike is going, I'm like, if that thing pukes in the main line and Joel is right there, somebody else is going to inherit the lead. Yeah. Yeah. And 
man, it, it's so crazy you say that. We had a Daytona mock day, let's say, at Decker's before, but like the Thursday before the race. Okay. And Zach got stuck in the main line of the track, okay? And I was right behind him. I couldn't go nowhere. And I'm thinking to myself, if this happens at Daytona, I'm screwed. I had to get off my bike and move it. <laughs> so, you know, in that race, uh, I think it was like four laps before he blew up or whatever. Mm-hmm. His bike smoked so much. I mean, I, I've been around. I've done it. I've rode the TRXs. It was too much cool, and I knew it wasn't going to last very much longer. Right. Uh, but did I slow down to, to you know, let a gap? <laughs> because I'm like, I, I really didn't long the race was so i'm like i can't you know i still got to be so close you know because i got to be right there to try to force that pass into a turn so i can't be backed off and then try to run up into him deep that would have caused us to get tangled so mm-hmm. man i was so close coming out of that turn and i heard it i heard the bike locking up so i'm like oh, okay ducked around the left side and that was it but man if i was closer and i didn't hear it and i wasn't you know totally aware <laughs> of happened that would have been a bad another bad day for joel at daytona <laughs> yeah you know and, and obviously it happened at a good spot for you um because yeah. even even in any like the slow one-lined corners i was thinking like man i don't know what you would have done but um oh. it worked out so there was a lot of stuff going on with the track you know obviously we talked about you know how the how the the rain overnight made it so that they couldn't build the track into the tracks that we've kind of known for the atv supercross the last couple of years they were pretty hamstrung by that they obviously had to eliminate some stuff there wasn't tons of obstacles all that stuff it was one-lined but the track crew was dealt a really difficult hand with that weather there. So um, we, we touched on the track enough. That was obviously, you know, was what it was. But then, you know, knowing how one lined it was, I have to think that there was extra pressure on you for those hole shots. Like you had to get up front. You're the hole shot king. I was wondering if you were feeling more pressure because it was like, man, if I don't get up front, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, man. I just knew... Um... You know, it's crazy because I walked down, uh, Chad had first gate pick uh, due to the heat race. His, his was faster. So I just walked down the gates and I looked at all of them and I seen a good gate towards the box. And that's, that's actually where Chad went. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty dry gate. Like, man, it's going to be tough. Hope he doesn't jump us. And then just, you know, yank, you know, yank around the outside or whatever. Yep. Um, like I'm just going to go inside. I know it worked in the heat race. Uh, I didn't think anyone was going to go, you know, tight of me that in on that inside gate and of course hogue does um <laughs> you know he's he's got my start technique down just so we start almost the same me and him so it uh if you look at us on the gate i thought this was pretty cool you know Janusa's kind of in the in the in the gates you know closer to the gate me and hogue are up on on the end of it you know sure. i almost yep. identical position so it was just whoever you know, didn't double clutch or didn't pop a wheelie. And, uh, you know, I come out of the gate, I shifted, I popped a little wheelie and, and there, there he was, he got that jump on me and I ducked under. And, you know, after that, I'm like, okay, well maybe I could still make this pass work, you know, early on in the race. I thought there was going to be some lines, but, uh, there wasn't. And that whole shot was very critical to that race. Um, you know, so the whole shot, uh, it, it meant a lot. And I was, I was bummed I didn't get it, but I was at the time I was okay. I was just, you know, like, okay, I'm, I'm in second. I'm good. You know, if I can't pass, no one's going to be passing me unless they're going to be, you know, taking me out, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I was still in a good position throughout the race. Even at the beginning of the race, I wasn't, I wasn't flustered. I wasn't getting flustered towards the end because I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm in a podium position. This don't normally happen. Um, <laughs> let's just 
let's just keep it calm here and, and if I'll force the issue if I have to. And uh, I was yeah. just hoping for a break, like you said, just waiting and waiting and putting the pressure on. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a really smart ride for me. I think um, just holding myself back at times and, and kind of relaxing when I needed to. And, you know, it just, it felt really good to, to ride like that. Yeah. I mean, you played your cards perfectly. It's, it's funny. You say that, you know, Brandon's kind of onto you that he has got a similar style, similar starting style because he's wanted to be you for so damn long. I remember him living at my house, like freaking 11 o'clock at night, five o'clock in the morning. He's watching yep. Joel Hetrick whip videos on his phone. Uh, he's wanted to be you for a long time. So that's funny uh, yeah. to hear, but um, so, so we didn't talk about the, like the start was different whole shot King, but the start was different. You had the flag start because of the, the, the gate malfunction and they weren't able to yeah. fix it. Um, when's the last, first of all, what was that like? And when was the last time you started with a flag? Man, it was just such a bummer that they couldn't get that fixed. Uh, I know all of us were really upset with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Everyone had the same same deal, you know, same thing to deal with. But uh, for me, it wasn't so bad because the last time I did a flag start was actually at a, a Mideast cross-country race on Grayson Jamaha last year. Okay. Granted, it was a dead engine start, but it's the same kind of motions. Like you're looking at the flag, you're not looking down at the gate. So that's the biggest difference for a lot of the riders was your position uh, of your head was not yep. right. Yep. So a lot of guys, I think weren't really used to it and you know, they're pulling their head up obviously. So it wants to pull a wheelie. Yeah. And uh, I felt like I would just contract my core enough and kept my head for, far enough forward that I didn't do a big wheelie. But, um, you know, I still made a little bobble too. And it cost me because, you know, he he just jumped me a little bit. But uh, it really, it was a different technique and none of us have practiced it. So we were all (laughs) in position. We're like, what the hell do we do right now? Right, right, right. Hey, it wouldn't be Daytona if there wasn't some some crazy wild card stuff going on, right? Like that's Daytona every year. Yeah, you know, if that's the worst that happened, no one got hurt. I don't yep. think anyone's got seriously injured at all for the ATV side. So yep. if that we had to deal with a, a crappy one line track and a damn flag start, you know, that's okay because everyone made it out there. Okay. And uh, you know, we're all healthy heading into some real race tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, it worked out for you. So, uh, yeah. you know, I don't want to, we don't got to dwell on the, you know, the, the hurdles <laughs> or whatever. It all worked out for you. Yeah. yeah no, I, I stay positive and I can't yeah. be more, happy and thankful that I came out on top. Like I said, I had a plan. I I went there with that in my head. I was going to win. And I told my dad, I said, dad, I'm going to win this race. And this was before the race, like a week or two. And he said, no, no, just, just ride smart and don't, you know, don't do anything stupid. I said, no, 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 dad, this is different. I'm going to win this race. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I come off the track and he's just crying, fired up. He's like, you told me, I said, I, I mean, I told you, I just had some, my mind man I just that was one of them things it was like I went there and I just I wanted to do that for once I wanted to come out of there um I was cool calm and collected and it it really paid off yeah yeah like I said this is a victorious conversation here and there's a lot of um there's a lot of people a lot of athletes that believe in kind of speaking things and thinking things into existence that's kind of what you're hitting on so okay last thing for you uh, awesome. I can't thank you enough for doing this, by the way, we love having you on the show last thing for you, before we let you go, 
Tell me about the color schemes this year. Did, did I hear that your YFZ450R is going to be a different color at every event? Is that what I heard? Yes, it will be. It'll be a different theme for every event. Um, the next one we have coming up is pretty unique. Okay. Uh, I'm a bit colorblind, so everyone's telling me about, <laughs> you know, I had raced and they're like, we don't really necessarily love it. And I'm like, well, to me, it's fast and it lasted and that's all that matters. Um, but no, it's, it's going to be different every race. Um, so I think that's going to be kind of cool, bringing a little bit of excitement uh, for, the, for the fans at least, you know, just wondering what it's going to be like. I'm not going to spoil anything yet, but okay. you know, they got some cool ideas, you know, so might be some football teams. It might be, uh, you know, the city, whatever okay. city it's just different little themes that, uh, the, the team owner, David Eller come up with and just something funny wants to do. So I, I think it's, it's cool. And it brings some new light to the sport. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Uh, there's a dirt bike guy doing that Jerry Robin. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's what I wanted to touch on was if there was a theme, you know, like, associated with the, the race. So there is a correlation there. It's not yeah. just some random pick. Yep. So, so that was the, the Daytona pace car. I think he said with, with that colors, or it said it was said the intimidator on my frienders on this side. Okay. Uh, just, you know, it was, it was all up to him and um, you know, we just nice. rolling with it, you know? Nice. Yeah. The intimidators, Dale Earnhardt and Dale uh, Earnhardt. And I saw the, I saw the Daytona logo on your gas tank at first. And I'm like, man, what is that all about? And then I picked up on that, that we're doing this theme thing, which I think is really cool. The other thing I want to touch on before I let you go is, so I knew you were colorblind, but mm -hmm. cause that's why you're always wearing, um, clear lenses, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I but, cannot wear tinted lenses, but tell me what it's like. So, so it's probably hard for you to explain because you don't know what I see, but yeah, like, what is it like? Do you see some colors and not others? What is that like? I've never asked anybody about this before. So it's kind of unique. Uh, it's funny you asked too, because Harv asked me the same question Monday night. He's like, can you see the difference between yellow and red? I said, yes, I can. Okay. Uh, so it, I'm a certain type of colorblind. It starts with a D. It's really hard for me to pronounce. It's like Dutronophia or something like that. Okay. Um, but it's, it's when colors are mixed together, let's say uh, green and brown or red and green, uh, orange and yellow, pink and gray, blue and purple. If they're together, uh, I can't distinguish them apart. So I can see all the colors, but maybe my shades are not the same as your shades or yours are darker or brighter. Okay. Um, so gray always looks pink to me. Uh, the green flag always looks red the red flag always looks green um a wow. yellow light yellow light a red light's a red light a green light if it's in the sun i can't see it okay jeez <laughs> um, bl blue and purple uh just i usually mess them up i always say that purple's blue uh, and and blue's purple but okay it's just weird i mean i'm like the only one in my family that's had it uh okay. and it it, tra it actually genetically transfers like they, it could transfer to your, your daughter. So I thought that Evelyn was going to be colorblind, but she's not, she can see colors better than me. Well, as long as you can see the checkered flag, that's all that really matters. It looks the same for you. It looks the same for me. So as long as you're getting that right, that's all that matters. Yeah. The black and white, I can see. And you know, it's funny. I went over the checkered flag and like the guy almost didn't wave it. So I kept going back. I'm like, is it, is the race over? I, I no saw idea. that. I saw that. Yeah. Now, and I'm looking at Harv like tell me the race is over that's all I need to know so I can get excited real quick um 
but it was yeah, it was it just was yeah different because i didn't know how long the race was going you know I, right I, right I white flag, um but then the checker flag he wasn't real sure if it was the checker flag or not so i wasn't either <laughs> okay yeah I, I thought he was taking the flag out late all day to be honest That's, with you yeah 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 so he so. kind of confused I was like double checking like a Jet Lawrence, you know, I'm like, oh. I was literally just going to say that Jet Lawrence vibes. Well, hey, pal, it worked out. Uh, perfect day for you. Perfect start to the season. Uh, thanks for telling us, you know, about about everything from from Deckers to Daytona to the color yep. scheme to being colorblind. Uh, great stuff there. I'm so happy for you and your family. Um, you, know, you. you guys deserve this. You work so hard for it. So congrats on the win, the points lead, all that stuff at Daytona. Great start to the season for you. And more than anything, I appreciate you being here. We appreciate having you on the show so much. Uh, you add so much to the show and you're always so good. You're always so open, <laughs> honest. The conversation is always awesome. So I can't thank you enough for being here with us pal i really appreciate it i enjoy doing it and like i told you before we got on i can talk all day about this stuff man it's it gets me going so this is what i love to do and uh just i hope the fans really get a kick out of listening to me and you know i'd love to come back on after texas yeah there you go we're uh we're happy to have you anytime pal it's a it's an open door policy here at digging deep so we appreciate it so much congrats again thanks again for your time enjoy it right. hey what are you going to do to celebrate what are you going to do to celebrate this thing uh <laughs> i had i had um two i really wanted sheets donuts man it doesn't sound like it's very entertaining for people but i've been we don't have sheets you know in florida so yeah, yeah. i've been donuts when i was at home and there's like a chocolate glazed donut and the first thing i did this morning i went and got me two chocolate glazed donuts with an energy nice. drink and ate them all and 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 then i worked all day but <laughs> That right. was my celebration. Tomorrow's my little boy's first birthday, Eli, and uh, we'll go celebrate, you know, his birthday and uh, a good good start to the year. That's awesome. what we'll do. Well, well, happy happy birthday to Eli. I'm so glad to hear that you're enjoying it, celebrating a little bit. I think that that's what it's all about. And uh, to, to hear that Joel Hetrick's just like us, same thing for me. You know, even in the amateur classes, winning uh, chocolate donut from the local place <laughs> in town here on Tuesday morning was always what I did. So uh, awesome, yep. awesome to hear that. Live it up, pal. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll be pulling for you here in the, in the races to come. Thanks so much. Thanks, pal. No problem. Insurance. It's not something everyone likes to talk about. But let's face it. If you race motocross, it's something you should have. Integrative Financial Concepts is an independent financial service and insurance firm who offers moto-friendly insurance and helps out riders like Nick Janusa, Jeffrey Rastrelli, and Joel Hetrick gain confidence on the track. With their unique safe-to-race and safe-to-ride programs, if you qualify, they have the ability to offer life insurance with living benefits to those who ride. With these living benefits, you may have the ability to access a portion of your life insurance policy while you're still living for things like cancer, heart attack, stroke, or chronic illness. They can also help with many other things, such as home, auto, motorhome, and trailer insurance, as well as college planning, special needs planning, payroll processing, as well as group health benefits for your business. So whether something happens on or off the track, Integrated Financial Concepts has you covered. With their complimentary one-on-one -on -one appointments, what are you waiting for? Reach out to Mike Daniele at D-A-N-I-E-L-E -E underscore Michael at nlgroupmail.com today and see how Integrated Financial Concepts can help you. Living benefit riders are supplemental benefits that can be added to a life insurance policy and are not suitable unless you have the need for life insurance. Riders are optional and may require additional premium and may not be available in all states or on all products. This is not a solicitation for any specific insurance policy. Just like the sport of ATV motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. 
Our sport is compiled of many great people, and leading that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing-owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full-service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote, additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Here at Digging Deep, we have an obvious passion for ATVs and pridefully enjoy sharing the sport's history. Since 2019, when the podcast was born, we've been working to partner with individuals who share our passion, but one man and his vision had been missing from our partnership group. Until now. When it comes to the sport's history, the hallowed grounds of Binky's Forever ATC Museum has it all. Binky Tapscott's mind-blowing collection of three- and four-wheelers has preserved history by spanning all makes and models from Honda three-wheelers in chronological order to unique builds that shaped ATV racing as we know it, like Doug Gust's iconic DRZ-powered hybrid thumper and everything in between. There's no denying Binky's passion, a passion that we certainly relate to here at Digging Deep. Binky's goal is to share his amazing collection with fellow enthusiasts by making his prized possessions accessible to the public via scheduled visits. Follow Forever ATC Museum on Facebook and watch foreveratc.com for further updates on possibly getting a chance to see Binky's Forever ATC Museum for yourself. We are proud to welcome Binky's Forever ATC Museum to the Digging Deep family. Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant. The best power sports coolant on the market, Evans prevents overheating and boil over so you need not worry about harming your engine or suffering a premature end to your ride no matter what the conditions. Designed for use in ATVs, UTVs, motorcycles, and other power sports equipment, when conditions are at their worst, Evans is at its best. Upgrade to Evans now to avoid overheating and boil over next time you hit the track or trail. Use discount code DIGGINGDEEP20 at checkout to save at evanscoolant.com. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. All right, back here with Casey Greek on the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, and our Daytona coverage continues. And Casey, uh, what the hell happened to Bryce Ford? He he was in podium position the entire race, ran third for 15 laps, moved to, to second when we lost Brandon, and then made a mistake on the final lap and dropped from second to fourth. The podium was so close. He had to have been able to taste it, very similar to Brandon Hogue. What a bummer. What happened there? Yeah, I talked to him a little bit after the race, and um, he said he just kind of – he knew he, he could pull up and be right there with Brandon and Joel and was taking on so much roost that he didn't want to sit there and just pack his radiator full. And he knew pretty much that he wouldn't be able to make the pass. Mm-hmm. And if something was to happen to one of them, you're going to end up rear-ending them or, you know, something go on like that. So he kind of backed off and was just doing his thing, but he flat out told me he got complacent and lazy. Basically cross-rutted, caught the edge of the track with the front tire and flipped the thing and threw away a second place. He was he was probably almost as upset as Brandon Hope. 
I mean, he still had that Bryce Ford smile, but I knew on the inside, like he was hurting and he really wanted to pull that off. Um, he's made some changes in his program through the winter and he's kind of grabbed the bull by the horns and is just doing things a little bit different and trying to have a, a better outlook on racing. And so I think for him, it was a perfect storm coming together where he's going to end up getting second, which, you know, is a career high with him. I mean, I know he's gotten a second before, but another career high for him mm-hmm. and really setting the season off, you know, on the right foot. I mean, there was a lot of speculation of, you know, him possibly not even racing Daytona and just different things that went on through the winter and rumors this and rumors that. So it was a perfect situation and he mm-hmm. i mean uh, the coolest part i've seen with him is he straight up owned it i mean he was just like i made a mistake and i come off the bike and you know he was like it woke me up real quick because chad was coming you know not too far behind and fifth so he really had to get moving so yeah cost him a second but um i think the vibe is still positive for him yeah i was very interested to see how that opener was going to go uh, for Bryce Ford because there was some turbulence in the off season. It seemed like we weren't hearing much. I was really interested to see how it was going to go down. And that one major change for him, Casey, Bryce Ford impact guy now. Yeah, we're working with Bryce again. Um, excited about that. It's something that we've been talking about for a while and we kind of just put it together almost last minute, not quite last minute, but not as much time as I think I would have liked to have. But, um, yeah, super cool. I think um, this time of this go around with him, his attitude's completely different. His maturity level, um, you know, it was always easy to know Bryce was young, and now it's kind of hard for me to realize that he's still only 19 years old. He's kind of taken on that aspect and maturity, you know, somewhat of, like, say, Max Lindquist, you know, the way Max is and the way he carries himself and, you know, how involved in his own program he is. And that's what Bryce is doing. I think that's the biggest uh, change for Bryce. Um, you know, we're going to work tight with them and continue to move forward and try to give a, give them our best shot and do what we can for them. So at one point it was looking like a uh, Hogue Hetrick Ford podium. And in the end, we lost two of those guys. The beneficiaries were Max Lindquist and Jeffrey Rastrelli credit to those guys for riding a good, smart race, surviving and putting them, you know, their, themselves on the box there, Casey. So for, for only being on the bike for a couple of weeks, Max Lindquist looked like he didn't even skip a beat three consecutive podiums for him at this point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Max is so solid and, you know, his day didn't start out that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was such a rough start to the day. And then, you know, I kind of forgot, I seen him get towed off and, you know, we kind of all know, you know, and we all hope that's not the case, but he got towed off and obviously he was sitting on the machine. So he was fine. He didn't come off the quad or anything. And they scrambled, got some stuff changed, got him back on the track. And when I went out for the second time qualifier, he had big tires on and I'm like, why would he do that? And then I remember, I was like, oh, dang, they didn't even have time to take the big tires off. They just had to get back out there. So for how bad his day started and how well his day ended, I mean, there's really not more to be said about that, not to like cut him off or, you know, or cut like his day off, but it Mm kind of writes itself there. There's not, you know, he rode really well, put himself in good position. The starts were way better, especially for this early in the season. I think um, Max is in store for a good year. 
Yeah. Yeah. He had a great day. He made the most of it. Like you said, he had overcome some stuff there. So good for him. Good day for Jeffrey Rostrelli too, man. He grabs third. What can you say about this guy? He goes all in new team self-made and puts it on the box. The very first time out. Awesome stuff there. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I, I got to spend a lot of time with Jeffrey over the, over the winter and not a lot of time, but quite a few days I actually spent, um, two full days with him leading into this race. And then again, spend some time with him on Sunday. And I mean, he just, he looks better. He he's fit. His attitude is really good. And, you know, we tested for a solid day. I mean, just out there, just making small increment changes, just trying to make things better and make him more comfortable than ever. And we, we accomplished that. And at the end of the day, normally when you go through a test day and you're taking suspension off, putting suspension on, you're trying this, you're trying that, and you're kind of going through the motions by the time you're like, okay, I'm happy with it. And I, and we're good. Let's go racing. You don't want to go out and ride a 25, 30 minute moto. And that was one of the things that I thought was really cool with Jeffrey is we got done. We were done. I was cleaning up the trailer and he jumped back on and went out there and run a 25 minute moto and come in and, you know, we finished loading up. I followed him back to his house. I plugged in at his house and hung out there for a couple of days, just finishing up his race shocks and Bryce's race shocks and stuff with some of the things that, you know, I learned and needed to transfer into Jeffrey's race shocks. And as soon as we got back to the house, he hit the ground running because now he's team manager. You know, he's at home mechanic. He's all these different things. He's He had to get all of his stuff together and, and his family and his wife, they were all jumped in full bore but they had a brand new trailer. They had to make sure they had all the parts they needed in the trailer. They had to run airlines and floor track and do all this stuff. And that's a lot of things that people don't really realize behind the scenes. I mean, he was busting his butt. He had to been, you know, he just rode all day, got home and went straight to work. So really proud of him. Yeah, me too. I mean, he, we know how hard he was working. We know how hard he worked to pull it all together. We know he kind of took a gamble, uh, you know, took a chance, gambled on himself to get out there. So I was just, I was stoked because you knew how much that third meant to him to put it on the box at the opener meant a, meant a lot to him. So I was super pumped to see that. So, uh, Bryce Ford, we touched on him. He got fourth, uh, like we said there fifth might've been the most impressive ride of the day, at least for me, Chad Weenan found himself out in the muck and dead last off the start Casey and on a track that no one was passing on. Uh, that was the talk all day that it was one line. You couldn't pass all these things. Chad Weenan found his way all the way up to fifth with no goggles, mind you. And Casey, just to put it in perspective, it took until the midway point of this race for him to get into the top 10 un freaking believable. It was unbelievable. I mean, just to think how hard he had to fight and claw to get up there, but he made it happen. I was really, really, really impressed with Chad Weenan's riding. Not that it's any surprise, but man, he made it happen when he had to, and to get to fifth, it looked so bleak, you know, eight or nine laps in to get to fifth. Um, I don't know, just incredible. Yeah, I mean, and that really shows, I mean, how one line the track was. And, you know, yeah. let's talk about it from the beginning if we're going we're to talk about Chad. I mean, you know, he was right there on the start and just got sucked up in hay bale, swings back out, <laughs> drills Cody Ford in the side. I don't know yeah. how these two continue to find each other when Chad has a mistake or something very <laughs> go on in the starting line. He continues to find Cody Ford or they continue to find each other. Cody ends up out on the track again on the pavement. Mm -hmm. um so just crazy but 
you know, he put his head down. He never panicked. And that's the one thing Chad does in those situations is he doesn't let it get, he doesn't get too excited. He just mustered right on and just kept riding and putting the time in and just, you know, mistakes from someone. And that's where he made his pass. I mean, I watched him follow a couple of guys, three or four laps in a row. Yes. You know, guys that normally he would pass, you know, just in a couple corners. And it just, it really speaks to how one line the track was. So I think typically, you know, this is the first podium that Chad, has been off of besides the bike malfunction and Redbud since mm-hmm. 2012. So, yep. you know, we're talking about a bunch of races that this guy hasn't been on the podium. And then for him to come off the track and he wasn't even like mad, like he was like, just kind of shrugged his shoulders. Like, what can you do? It is what yeah. it is. Yep. And so I think that speaks volumes for him and where he's at. Yeah. So basically for the just the second time in a decade, Casey, basically the second time in a hundred races, um, he misses the podium. But yeah, I think that shows that all the stuff he had to overcome, how proud he was of that ride to feel good about getting fifth. That just shows like what he what he had to do to make it happen. So that was impressive. But uh, yeah, so so great ride for for Chad Wien in there. Hey rookie, welcome to the AMA ATV Pro Class. Zach Decker led his tier in ATV Fantasy and grabbed six on the day. He was super super solid. That's literally the exact day that he needed. Casey, I was really really impressed by Zach Decker. Yeah, definitely, and I think he was in front of Chad until. I think he said the lapper got in the way. He was really good at He's like, I almost beat Chad in my first pro race, which, you know, is, is huge. And especially for his <laughs> confidence, but Zach rode well. Yeah. And he, and he looked like a professional out there. I mean, he was never squirrely. I mean, I think every single person was squirrely at multiple <laughs> times during the race, but I mean, it wasn't right. like just like dumb rookie mistakes. Zach was awesome. He was solid all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was really impressed. I was really impressed by his riding. We know he's got the speed. We just had to see him put it all together and he did right off the jump. So if he's going to ride like that, man, he's going to be right in that mix with tier two all season long. So the rest of the class goes like this seventh was Nick Janusa followed by Michael Allred, Logan Stanfield, Patrick Torini rounded out the top 10. He led his tier in ATV fantasy. Cody Ford, Vince Merman, Brandon Hogue, Cesar Jimenez, and Marshall Smith rounded out the field after some mechanical issues that he mentioned to me in a message. So Casey, I don't think it pays to dig too deep into any of these guys because they didn't get a start and there just wasn't much that they were going to be able to do on that racetrack at that point. Like I said earlier, I don't think it pays to to hit the panic button on any of these guys. There's no cupcakes in the class at this point. There's not a single one. They're all really, really, really good and solid, but there are so many guys, Casey, that are going to roll into to round two, chomping at the bit to feel like, you know, they got to write some wrong at this opener, but overall, I don't think that there's anything to write home about good or bad about any of those guys. Cause they were just, it was slot car racing after you came out of the start where you were for most of these guys. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, Logan, I think Logan had more potential than it showed today. Janusa definitely had more Absolutely. potential yes. than it showed on this day or, you know, on Tuesday at the races. Um, Patrick Torini, I think he rode very well. Um, so that was another, you know, just a little tidbit there. I, Cody never got a fair chance. Um, not 100% sure what happened with Vince and Caesar, but yeah, I mean, Kind of, you know, learned a lot this weekend, but didn't really learn anything. It's time to go to Texas and see what we can get done. Okay. Biggest takeaway from Daytona 2022. Go. Nothing. 
It's all still <laughs> up in the air. I, I've literally felt like I've had people ask me like, well, what did we learn? And I'm like, really? I mean, we learned some little things like who may be in shape, who thinks they're in shape, who may not be in shape, those little tiny things like that. But honestly, we learned nothing. <laughs> and it's it's just that we survived through this one and we're going to go on to texas where we have a track that's going to have multiple lines and we're going to really get to see the speed of these guys um we learned that kinsey osborne's the real deal we'll go yeah. with that one yeah she is <laughs> she was up there with those girls she is definitely uh, the real deal yeah she's definitely the right. real deal but casey greek says we learned nothing from daytona 2022 yeah. uh we, we saw some good rides we saw some great racing but I don't think that it's time to to write home yet about how this 2022 season is going to go. I think that that's a, a good way to put it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, saying nothing is pretty harsh. There's definitely a lot of things <laughs> we learned, but to be as to be as harsh as you can be, we learned not a whole lot. <laughs> right. Well, that's a wrap. Casey, thanks so much for being here. Looking forward to covering some great racing all summer long. Can't wait, but looking forward to going outdoors for a little more normalcy here moving forward. Yeah, excited to see everyone in Texas. We're going to have our whole crew there, you know, with all the amateurs and all the pros. Everyone's going to be there. So excited to see everyone. Um, it's going to be a good good 2022 season. I think a lot of the abnormalities that we've been dealing with over the last couple of years are starting to fade away. So excited and uh, we're going to get, get the show on the road. Yeah, great racing in Daytona. Looking forward to more as we go forward here. That's Casey Greek from Impact Solutions. And this is Brett Musig, our final guest of the night. All right, guys, our next guest comes to you courtesy of Integrated Financial Concepts and their Safe to Race and Safe to Ride insurance programs. He dominated the pro sport class and route to a memorable victory at Daytona. Say hello to Brett Musig. Brett, what's more stressful? leading one of arguably the biggest races of your career or being a team owner watching your rider leading the fastest ACB racers on the planet in the AMA ATB pro class. What's more stressful? Hands down, Sam Brandon out there, <laughs> especially when we saw some smoke and I was like, shoot, I was hoping it pulled through. <laughs> uh, I, first of all, I knew that that was going to be your answer. And I figured that as soon as you started seeing steam, it was going to be much more stressful. Uh, but let's start with your racing first. We'll start with the good. We can get to the other stuff later. Uh, so overnight rain start is how the day starts. You start with this overnight rain, all the standing water on the track and pro sport is the first class, the first riders to hit the track in the morning with all that new equipment. You had to be thinking, man, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. My first thought was like, daggone, it's going to cost me some money, <laughs> but, uh, it, it ended up, I mean, like I said, I, I like Daytona. I mean, the track's tight and, uh, it's kind of, back here where I live at my practice track it's always been like a smaller track around a minute lap time and uh so I I like the smaller track and uh I, honestly I was just excited to get there I've kind of worked hard this winter and uh normally I'm usually pretty nervous but I was I was ready to roll this weekend it's been a pretty good off season oh yeah being being prepared like that's a good feeling so what was it like to have time qualifying again because you and i back in the day like when we first were in pro-am i think maybe for that very first season uh we had timed qualifying so that's what it reminded me of it reminded me of having qualifying back in the day it looked like a lot of fun so what was it like to do time qualifying again honestly i really enjoyed time qualifying and uh at daytona i mean with that small of a track though and just the couple of the riders like not talking bad about them just a little bit off the pace it was kind of 
hard to get a real clean lap in, yeah. but uh, it definitely is pretty cool. Brought back some memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, and that's the thing, right? I mean, there was like a lot of riders that I don't think you're going to see run pro sport all year, but they wanted to be able to go race Daytona. They wanted to throw their hat in the ring. So you got this giant class 33 entries or whatever, and yep. it ended up being so, yeah, I mean, you had a lot of different, you know, between you guys at the very front that are going, you know, pro class speed. And then there's guys that are clearly not going pro class speed. It was a, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, it was, was, there was a lot going on there. That's for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's just flat out awesome though. I mean, that's what a few of the guys are talking to me, scared about qualifying and stuff and seeing that many numbers in a class though. like if I went there and didn't qualify, I would just be tickled to death to be racing that many people. Cause I mean, what if, it's just so much better than going and racing five or six people. Cause I mean, yep. everything comes into factor. It's not just you, you can get a bad hole shot and still come out fifth and just have to pass four people to get up to first. I mean, if you right. get a bad hole shot, you got to park up through the field and it just works. Uh, it makes you have to have a everything polished and a total package to make everything go correctly for yourself that weekend. So that's, it's always a good thing there. Oh, for sure. I mean, to have, to have, you know, to have to overcome all of that stuff to have success is, is what gets you that ultimate natural high. Right. I mean, you know, to have to overcome all that, all those other riders, all that stuff. I mean, that's how you achieve that. So uh, moving on with the day. So fast forward to the heat races, you didn't manage to get a great hole shot in, in your heat race, which is totally unlike you, uh, still got second behind Kazmarek, but that, that had to have you thinking, you know, I need to get a good start in this main event to, to give myself the best chance to win this thing. Yeah. Honestly, though, the first seat though, I was actually the first one to the first curve, but I got a little love tap and just pushed oh, me okay. out a little bit. Oh, okay. So I had like four people sneak inside of me, but like I said, the coming out of the gate, I mean, everything just felt spot on and, uh, it, just like I said, rode a smooth, consistent race. We got behind Zach and just got his pace and started pushing the last two laps or so. And it was, it was fun battle with Zach. I like riding with old Zach out there for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, so main event, then this, this main event ended up being a dream ride for you. You ripped the whole shot, led this thing wire to wire, win it by 16 second, uh, win it by a 16 second margin of victory at the finish. It was a dream race. Tell me what that one felt like. That had to be, again, I said it at the preface of this thing at the beginning of this thing, but that had to be like one of the, you know, like a highlight of your career almost. What an awesome thing to win at Daytona. That had to be, that had to be huge. Yeah, that's what I was, me and my dad was talking about too. Like that win there was honestly probably about my favorite win ever, hands down. I mean, it yeah. just, there's just especially like being out there. I mean, I, I felt really good on the track all day. My quad was working great, and uh, but another like we got lap traffic on the second lap, and it was just you don't know if somebody's gonna get stuck in a rut in front of you, and it was just yeah. a little bit stressful. But like I said, one of the first times in my career, I felt good the whole moto. I mean, if I had to at the end of the race, I could have dropped the hammer back down, and uh, it, it I felt really really strong down there. I mean, I was definitely happy about that for sure. Yeah. It's funny that you bring up the lappers because that's the very next thing that I have on my notes here. Like, you know, good thing you had a big lead, you know, nothing was in jeopardy. Right. But, but the lappers, man, I was screaming at the TV telling them to move. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I was behind them in the corners, revving my motor up and some some guys, I mean, it was just great. It worked out good. They let you go right by, but nag on sometimes is like, 
after the second lap, I'm like, buddy, like, come on. Hey, we, I saw, I saw you go. following, I saw you following somebody stuck behind somebody for one complete lap, you know, like in the middle oh, part of the race. I'm like, man, you gotta be kidding. Oh, I know. I was, I was like, God dog it. <laughs> I'll do something stupid and get caught up. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, we and, made it through it. I guess. Yeah. And between the lappers and, you know, the weather throughout the day and the conditions in the one lined aspect, it makes it feel so stressful, you know? So, so I'm like, I'm like literally thinking what it would be like to you between, again, between track conditions and lappers and one line and all this stuff. And I'm thinking he's got a 16 second lead, but it's one of those races where probably never felt that comfortable. If that makes sense. Yeah. Honest to God, I had absolutely no clue if I like he, there wasn't even a mechanics area where they cut that section of the track out. And sure. I didn't have a clue. I didn't think anybody was close to me. I mean, I didn't really hear anybody and uh, you can kind of see, but daggone, then everybody's covered in mud. So you don't really know if that's you a have no idea. behind you or what. So, yeah. 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 I didn't, I, like I said, I thought I had a big lead, but uh, I wasn't hundred <laughs> percent on that. <laughs> well, wasn't sure. <laughs> so at one point, definitely at one point I saw, I, th- I think it was Molander. And he would have been a lap down, but I saw yeah. him, you know, like running with you, like, like right on your tail. And I was thinking to myself, you know, does Brett know that, that that's not for position? I was like thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I'd be like, man, do I got to go? Like thinking, you know, what I would be yeah. thinking if I would have been in your shoes. Yeah. I thought it was Mo Lander Cause I remember going around him and honestly, God, though, that would be like super smart on his part. If he would have tucked behind me the whole race. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, if you think about it, I mean, People would be like, yeah, Mo Lander's out front also. So I mean, that would have worked out pretty good to make some passes for sure. Yep. But uh, it's like I said, it, everybody was somebody that was just hard to, I didn't even know who was in second whole race, honest to God. I, <laughs> I didn't have a clue. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that too. Uh, I actually said that to the people I was watching with. I said, yeah, it'd be smart for Dane, like you said, to stay, you know, pretty close because people will think that you know, you guys are racing for position at the front, yeah. um, but he was like really close. So I'm thinking, man, don't, you know, oh, don't, don't get in, don't yeah. fluster Brett. Brett's, Brett's got this yeah. in the bag. Uh, so, so we hinted at it already from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows. So you win pro sport and your rider, Brandon Hogue, we just had him on the show earlier. He rips the whole shot and leads three quarters of the pro main event. And then the machine breaks and uh, you guys had to feel helpless for the poor guy he was going to win that thing there's no doubt in my mind yeah he he had that one i mean he did and uh, it just sucks because like i said everything on that quad is completely brand new there was no corners cut and it was i mean it's ready to roll and just had a slight little oem part malfunction that i mean shouldn't have happened but it unfortunately did and uh, it like i said i myself i mean it don't I just hate it for Brandon because, like I said, he works so hard, and he, mm-hmm. I, I'd love to see him out front. Because I mean, you you look at his Strava; he's biking 200 miles a week, running 35 miles a week, riding every day that he can, and he he puts everything he can into it for sure. And it's just heartbreaking to see for him. I mean, I, I didn't even know what to tell him. I mean, there wasn't anything anybody could say to him, but daggone, he he works hard. He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wish that I would have been recording, um, when you and I were briefing each other before we got on here, because we talked about all that. We talked about how, you know, you felt so bad for him because he worked so darn hard. I talked about, you know, I told you that he feels like a little brother to me. So I felt horrible for him. I had tears in my eyes when I saw it happen and I just, you know, I want it so bad for him. So to get that close, you know, that he, that so close, he could taste it. Um, 
man, just what a, what a tough deal. And it, you know, it's one of those, it's just one of those things, you know, and now, like I said to you, you know, how your dad feels, how your dad felt anytime that your shit broke. Like it's, it's just gotta yeah. be such a helpless feeling. You've never done this before, Brett. You've never, you've never yeah. had another rider that you cared as much about their racing as you do your own. Um, so this yep. is a new, new role for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, like I said, I, I hate that it happened, but at the same time, I mean, that it should be a confidence booster for him. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. At that round there, I mean, Joel or Chad, yeah, I think they would have gave him, obviously. I mean, he was battling with Joel the entire race. But, I mean, the, the other guys, like I said, they're absolutely flying out there. But, I mean, on that track that day, I really don't think they had nothing for Brandon. And uh, to start the season off like that, I mean, that's just a a good start to the season. I mean, ripping basically second place out of one whole shot, ripped the second whole shot. And uh, if he can do that all year, I, I – really think that he's going to be a handful for everybody on the track i mean mm-hmm. he's i hope he can come out swinging and show him what he's got for sure mm-hmm. yeah I, I told him the same thing i told him man you wish that the four, last four laps would have went a little differently but the the confidence that you're going to take from that and knowing that you can do it knowing that you ran that pace yep. you set the pace for 15 plus laps um what a confidence booster he knows he can do it so yeah. I mean, like I said, there was no doubt that he was going to win that race. There's no doubt in my mind, but you have to be so proud of the way he handled it. It sure seemed like he couldn't have handled it any better with any more grace than he did. Just, yeah. you know, from you, you could literally watch him processing it, right? The thing goes up in smoke, you know, smoke steam surrounds him. He kind of sulks down and then like a light switch, he sits up, he's, you know, interacting with the crowd, gives a little fist pump. I just, I was, I've never been so proud of him and he's a guy I've known for forever. And I just, again, so, so very proud of the way he handled it. What a great guy you have there. Oh, no doubt. That's, that's what I told dad too on the way home. I mean, anybody that I could have on my team, there's not one person I would rather have than Brandon Hope. I mean, he's just, like I said, he, he works so hard, like I said earlier, and he's just, you never hear nothing bad out of his mouth. He's always positive in the absolute worst possible situations you could give him and he's just all around a great guy and daggone he's a hard worker and you know you're going to hear this when you listen back to this episode our listeners and i heard it as as we talked to brandon earlier but he's so grateful for the upbeat positive happy empowering environment that you guys are creating for him it's just such an awesome thing i think it's a match made in heaven for you guys uh, i'm pulling for you i think it's i think it's just going to be so successful for everybody involved and if he keeps it going it looks like you know there's going to be plenty of podiums in his future this season looks like there's going to be plenty of podiums in your future too brett uh daytona winner team owner awesome podcast guest i appreciate your time so much buddy congrats on the w and uh look forward to doing this again real soon yeah, definitely. That sounds great for sure. And uh, I always appreciate you having us on and hopefully get back soon. Thanks so much, pal. Take care. Yep, you do. Thanks. Man, that was so much fun. Some great conversation with some awesome people tonight and great performances by them at Daytona. Major thanks to tonight's guests, Joel Hetrick, Brandon Hogue, Brett Musig, Kinsey Osborne, and Casey Greek. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to all of our donors. You know who you are. We appreciate you so much. 
Thanks to all of our incredible partners, CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. Thanks to SSI decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV Components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, the financial advice of the Haymar Financial Group, Forworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Factory 43, Integrated Financial Concepts and their Safe to Race and Safe to Ride Insurance programs, Binky's Forever ATC Museum, Evans Waterless Power Sports Coolant, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show and don't forget to use those codes to save. Find it all on our website and be sure to click those Rocky Mountain ATVMC and Amazon banners for all your gear and parts needs, everyday needs, and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise is available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out. And if you're looking for another easy way to support us, visit our website and click the Patreon or Buy Me a Coffee buttons. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. Give us a call using our voicemail line. Give us your reaction to the show, to the races, and or everything in between so we can play them on the show and react to what you have to say. That number is 920-569-3519. We want to hear from you, so give us a call. Follow the show on social media, Digging Deep ATVMX Podcast, and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, coverage, and more fun stuff as the 2022 season is now here. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links, and discount codes, our show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website, diggingdeepatvmx.com, so check that out today. Digging Deep ATVMX fantasy season is here, and it's not too late to get in on all of the prizes, the bragging rights, and all the fun. We had six event winners at Daytona. You'll all receive prizes. All of our winners receive prizes, but we had to put all six of them in a randomizer to figure out who is going to get the MSR riding gear, courtesy of Rocky Mountain ATVMC, and Jeremy McCoy won our MSR gear kit for Daytona. You could be the next winner of the fresh gear kit, courtesy of Rocky Mountain ATVMC, so if you haven't done so yet, head over to atvfantasy.com today to sign up now. Be a friend, tell a friend, please download, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And with that, for Joel Hetrick, Brandon Hogue, Brett Musig, Kinsey Osborne, Casey Greek, Brooke Catherine, Dallas Jansen, and I'm your host, Cody Jansen. Thanks for listening to and making us the number one podcast in ATV racing with over 140,000 downloads monthly in 84 total countries. Until next time, thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of ATV Motocross. Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quadlers are freaking nice.